Sifters, welcome to Game Face, episode 351 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host and the founder of Sifted, and here to deliver at least a couple hours of awesome video game discussion is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hello. How's it going? All right. Fresh off your Comic-Con trip? Fresh off. How did that go? Comic-Con sucks. (laughs) I saw some videos from it, and... It actually looked barren to me, but it sounds no. like that actually was it not was, the case. It was more crowded than I... I mean, I've been like seven or eight times, I think. It's more crowded than I've ever seen it. Like, I walk, I went in there. I, I went on Saturday, and I picked up my badge, and I went in the hall. after It took like almost four hours to drive to San Diego from L.A., uh, which is... By the, I which wish is, I could say For I'm those surprised. who do not live here, is more than double what it should take. It's about a 90-minute drive, yeah. usually, if there's um, very little traffic. At one point, right next to the nuclear boobs, which you will be familiar with if you've seen The Naked Gun, mm-hmm. uh, everyone just decided to go 10 miles an hour for 12 miles, and at the end of it, there was nothing. No, there's no lane change. There was no accident. There was no any no construction. No nothing. Everybody just decided to slow down for a while. Welcome to California. Um, so yeah, it. Uh, I mean, I got there. I got my badge. I went in the exhibit hall. Five minutes later, I'm just like, I need to leave. Like, I, I, well, there's two main arteries in that hall. Like the you know go left and right the whole all the way down back and forth. And in the middle of one of them, as I'm trying to walk through it, this one booth was just, I couldn't tell which booth, but they were just starting a line that was kind of folded in on itself in the middle of the of the aisle because they'd filled up in their booth. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there behind people that can't move, and I just say to myself, like, what the fuck is this line even for? <laughs> and this woman next to me with her friends in the line says, we don't know. And I'm just, I, oh. There, there goes, goes Luna. There goes Luna. I I just I don't know anymore. Yeah. I really don't. I I can't I can't. So I I just left and went and had lunch with my friends that were already somewhere else. They'd been there all day. Went back in for a while. Didn't really see much. I mean, it's like okay, I got to see the Transformers display, which I'd already seen photos of online, mm-hmm. but now I got to see it over the shoulder of a smelly man. So. <laughs> You know, like it's, I just don't get. It. I mean, I was going for free because I was there to show my film at the film festival, and like, did you actually get a free badge for yeah. being a part of the film festival? We got many. That's we cool. Got several. Yeah. So we had a bunch of people from the from the film there. It was like the biggest group probably of the film crew that's been together since we shot them. Funny how that works. Um, when you get the free badge to Comic Con, yeah. <laughs> everybody shows. Although up. I'll be honest, most of them only stayed a day. Because yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, well, no celebrities. Like, is no, it well, worth dealing with like, the rest of the... The same number of people still went, because obviously you spent $300, $340 on a badge. They're not going to bail. You're, you're going to still go. Mm-hmm. But it's like, instead of the 100 or 200 people that would normally be in Hall H, they're all out here in front of us. You know? Yeah. So it was worse. And then people that went on Sunday said it was even worse. The game's got a lot more visibility this year. Yeah. Um, because there it. wasn't really any. Because it was, even though there really wasn't. But the yeah. games that were there got a lot of focus because yeah. there just was nothing else to cover. But also there was nothing to do with like There was a huge Star Wars Outlaws display, but all it was was a rear projection screen and you could get on a speeder bike and have your picture taken. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't play the game. There was no new trailer. There was no, you know. Yeah. Was, uh, we did go, uh, my friend and I did go into the uh, Diablo 4 experience. Which turned out to just be them recreating uh, the scene in the church with the priest getting killed. Iconic um, scene with uh, an actor as the priest and and like a 
like a projected screen of Lilith giving her monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, they gave you like a, a Lilith crown to wear, yeah. which we did uh, until the film, until the <laughs> screening, actually. How was the screening of your film? It was good. It was me. You know, I was it was in the hotel, so it was much less crowded and. Uh, uh, we were in a horror block, which is funny if you've seen the movie. Because yeah, it doesn't not, make a ton of sense. It's not a, well, it's like you had to submit it under some genre, and so I put it under horror suspense because technically you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and true. It is, you know, it's about uh, people on a date, and one of them turns out to be a conspiracy theorist. So in that horror block, that was, in fact, the only thing in that block that was potentially going to happen to you. That would be horror for me. Yeah, if yeah, I were on a date with a girl and I found out that she was a psycho conspiracy real theorist. Real scary. Yeah, real things. <laughs> I'd be getting out of there real fast. So, yeah. uh, so ultimately, the stuff for your film went okay. Yeah, the the reason I was there went went great. Mm-hmm. The uh, the surround uh, the rest of it just confirmed to me that I I really don't get anything out of I, I don't have the temperament for that anymore. Mm-hmm. If I ever did, like, yeah, like it's one thing for like when you and, have to be there for work, and it's just th- yeah, but it's also just things where like I can't imagine someone spending hundreds or thousands of dollars to go there voluntarily from like where from i'm from from like whatever. pennsylvania yeah. i mean a lot of people do and i yeah. know people have like convention friends and like people mm-hmm. you know all that stuff and that makes but like like the actual event i don't get it yeah i really don't. i mean i've never got it i've never liked comic-con in my entire career even the first time i went there i was like wow mm-hmm. and i really thought the cosplay was awesome but otherwise i was like there's nothing to do here no. And that's the problem with Comic-Con is like, as you said, all the people who used to be in the panels, which was the one thing to do, that are now shoved out on the floor. Nobody has anything to do. Mm-hmm. If you watch, they're just walking in circles, looking at each other. That's Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. To me, that's what yeah, Comic-Con is. You see the same people pass you a lot of times. Over and over. Because there's nothing to do but just make the lap yeah. around the or building. Or wait in line for hours for an exclusive, Some exclusive that's probably whatever. gone. And usually that happens um, like the night before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like there was a couple things I was I was looking at the Darth. There's a Darth Revan Hallmark ornament that was gone for the day long before I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking for a Moon Knight pin that like the, the there's a there's a Marvel store and it's a big square, not even a big square. It's a square that's maybe 30 feet across. And there's a lot. It was like for shirts and pins and da da da. And I get there and I go around the like see the line. I go around the line and there's a guy standing at the end of the line. It's like line capped. There's like 30 people in line mm-hmm. for the Marvel <laughs> store. I'm like, you didn't think this was, might be a little popular? Yeah. And it never uncapped the whole did day. they have one? I mean, like two or three, <laughs> I don't know. But I just, and it didn't move. It never moved. Yeah. I was, I was, it was ridiculous. It's just, I just don't get the point. I mean, it reminded me of the time back in like, I think it was 2006 or 2007 uh, when, um, or maybe it was late, I can't remember. But like to get the, I was trying to get the Transformers exclusives at the Hasbro booth store. Mm-hmm. And to do it, that like they had so much lineup problems the year before that they decided the way to do it that year was you had to go up to the sales pavilion, which is the, as in S-A-I-L-S, which is like where you pick up your badges. It's like up, it's like a sky, which normally has an art show, but did not have an art show. This, this art mm-hmm. show, if it was there, I didn't find it because I usually like to see that. Um you had to go up there, and then you had to enter a lottery. To if you won the lottery, you then got a ticket that let you get in line to buy something <laughs> from the store. So you weren't even guaranteed to be able right. to get in line to get in the store. And like, and I actually think is that we were like some of the first people there. And I think the Hasbro woman like cheated for us. Oh, really? To make sure we got a winner ticket. All right. Um, 
But then you had to go down and wait in line for three hours to get a chance to buy the thing if it wasn't sold out by the time you get. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to pay 50 more bucks for this online on eBay when I get home. You know, that's, yeah, that's way worth better. The, worth the time, yeah. Than like, yeah, nothing is worth that kind of yeah. effort. For, yeah, yeah. For, like, it's ridiculous. And they didn't have anything I wanted this year exclusive-wise. And if they did, it's going to be on Hasbro's online store in like a week. I yeah. don't, it's pointless. Why? Yeah. And like everything's marked up. There's no. It's not like back in the day. I went in '96, and you, it was, you know, there was no corporate presence really. There's no Hollywood presence. It was just you know, comic books and artists. Mm-hmm. And you could find. I was there looking for the 1997 Power of the Force. Uh, I mean, it wasn't '97. It was '96. But the, the the that first line of of Star Wars figures had come out, and the one that was hard to find was Lando. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find Lando, and I did find Lando. And he's like twenty bucks, which at the time was like, oh my god, that's so much. But mm-hmm. also, he didn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a deal. Um, it was the only place you could go. It, that was before eBay. You know, it was it was yeah. the only place you could go. To find vintage toys or vintage comic, like it was, and now, and now, (laughs) all different. It's like, why would you even go there? You can find anything you want online, and if you can't, there's like collectible shows near anywhere you can go to that do not require a three hundred dollar badge lottery to get into, and you're not going to be shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people that you have to stare at for hours on end. Yeah, I felt bad for IGN because you could tell they'd already committed all their money. mm -hmm. They already had their booth and their space there. That's a lot of money. And then the strikes happen, and there's no celebrities to go on their big live show every day. It was bad. Yeah. Bad. I mean, there was no- nothing rose to take the place of the missing Hollywood nope. component. No. Um, it was, it was, so it was, like, weird. It was, like, I, you know, my friend's friend who was there on Thursday, she's, she was like, it's, she's like, it's crowded still. But the energy's weird. Like, no one really knows what they're doing. Yeah. Like, no one's on the... Because there's nothing to do. Yeah, no one's on the... Because usually you have people (laughs) rushing back and forth to do stuff. And she was like, no one's really waiting for anything. Everyone's just sort of here. Yeah. It's like like, at E3 or at um, Gamescom, you wait in line to play new games. And you can do it all day. You can play a new game every hour, every hour, two hours or whatever. At Comic-Con, what is there? There's nothing to do. The booths are just like a booth with... A screen showing the trailers of their movies. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to interact. Like maybe they give away free stuff every once in a well, while. Well, that was it. the panels. This like the Star Trek panel in Hall H this year was just a guy at a podium introducing trailers because yeah. there's nothing else. That what else can you do? do? So um, Comic Con looked like a huge bus. Actually, I'm interested to hear to from s- AJ the Legend Watson. To see I did get to see the uh, Grimlock. The, yeah, the which Robo was the, definitely Grimlock. the coolest thing that was announced there for sure. Although Let's it's weird a- that he doesn't sound like himself. Oh really? Let's it's- see if AJ's back. Nope, he's not here. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't made it back yet. He's still recovering from Comic Con. It's still, it's the guy. It's the original guy doing the voice, but it, for whatever, it's like he's not even. I mean, he, Greg Berger doesn't can't really do the the Grimlock voice perfectly anymore. Yeah, but he's not. And a lot of the lines in that demo, he's not even trying to do. He's doing a different voice. He's mm-hmm. doing like a caveman guy. And he's yeah. saying I, not me, Grimlock. Right. And, I was like, and I'm like, he's that's forgotten. weird. <laughs> Or, I mean, the voice director needs to tell me, but, right. you, know, op, you know, Peter Cullen can't do a perfect Optimus Prime anymore, but that Robeson Optimus Prime, through him and voice direction and voice processing, sounds pretty much exactly like the G1 Cartoon Prime. Yeah. It's great. Uh, for $1,500, that thing should sound exactly oh, yeah. like 1984 <laughs> <better>. Greg Berger. <laughs> like, you, you gotta get... Like it's and people are saying it's placeholder or something. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've heard him do the voice, and that's it's similar to the way he does the voice in uh, one of the Cyberverse cartoons recently, which is a very different take. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not a Cyberverse Grimlock. That is G1 Grimlock, Grimlock, and he be- damn well better say, me Grimlock, kick butt. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, that's who he is. And if he can't do it anymore, go yeah. get a fucking sound-alike, because... 
that's a lot of money for inaccuracy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's take a look at chat before we get into the housekeeping and see what you guys are up to. Uh, let's see. We got some Twitch Prime up in this place already. Although I don't think we're going to be able to hit the hype train like we did last week. That was just amazing what you guys did last week. Um, I am my I am MythMaker. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, who else we got in here? I know a lot of you guys did it last week, so there may not be too many. Um, there are the people are asking you if you're buying Grimlock, and he is in fact buying Grimlock. Yeah, Fruit Eater. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Who else we got? There up aren't in a here? lot of other RoboSen characters. Like I didn't get the the movie Prime or the G1 Bumblebee because they don't transform. Yeah. But anytime you make one of those things transform, you're going to have my attention. And Grimlock is, you know, Grimlock was a, a favorite, obviously. When I'm, I remember very, very much. Uh, you know, I loved dinosaurs as a kid, and I remember one of the one of my first reactions to Empire Strikes Back was, "Oh my God, there's robot dinosaurs." Yeah. Even though, as an adult, the Adats look a little bit more like cows. Yep, but um, fifteen hundred bucks is insane. Yeah. But, seeing, but seeing the Dinobots, you know, when I was eight, was just like, you can do that. Yeah, you can make robots that are dinosaurs. Like it, yeah. it was a revelation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna get that one. Uh, it's a ridiculous price. It is. I mean, it's it, the, the engineering is there, like, yeah. and like you know, it interacts with Prime. It, it is not big enough. Again. People are disappointed that it's not in, to scale with the with prime. prime. It's about, I think it's like seven inches shorter than Prime. Oh. And technically it should be like four inches taller yeah, than Prime. Yeah. But if that thing was four inches taller than Prime, you'd be paying three grand. I mean, they made like, Prime pretty big. He's very big. That may have sell, been the first mistake. They do sell a smaller one. <laughs> oh, now. they do. Like it's like, it, which is about a little, like maybe a smidgen taller than Grimlock. Um, but also, scale and Transformers has never been yeah, whatever thing. You know, yeah. the, 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 it's still awesome. <laughs> the guy who turns into a Porsche can wrestle with the guy who turns into an F-15. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Just go with it. So anyway, there you go. That's Mass Report from Comic-Con 2023. Uh, maybe next week AJ will be back and he can give us sort of the fans' perspective of being there. But again, I felt really bad for IGN. It dumped a ton of money into Comic-Con. All the celebrities that should have been on his stage, MIA. It's like when people like hadn't quite learned yet that you shouldn't go to TGS. Anymore. Yeah. Well, I learned that lesson in 2012. <laughs> That's how I felt when we got to the second day of Tokyo Game Show. And I realized, I mean, we sent a skeleton crew. We had like four or five people there. Mm -hmm. Normally, we'd send like eight or ten or whatever. So we kind of foresaw that it was going to be a weak show. But still, like we shouldn't even have set the four or five. Like after the first day of the show, I was like, oh, God. This was a huge mistake. I didn't feel so bad because everybody else was there too, like the IGNs and the games. Everybody was there, um, but still, I was like, "We're not doing this again." Mm -hmm. So, and we never did. Um, so anyway, there you go. That's Comic Con 2023 from somebody who was there and paid the price to get there. <laughs> Very briefly. Very briefly. Yeah, you were I, there for what a total like an hour. I was maybe? there. I was there. No, I, we went back on the floor. I mean, so I was at. I mean, the film festival is Comic Con, so technically, I was uh, there for like five hours. You're on the floor for what an hour. Mm, was it? I was on the floor for like five minutes the first time, right. and then I went to food. Then we, we were there until the show floor closed, so that would have been like probably two hours. Oh, okay, that's about all I'd need. <laughs> I'd yeah. be up and out. <laughs> it was like, oh, are you going back tomorrow? Like, no. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's time for housekeeping, and we have a bit of. But a But I do appreciate that the tram runs far north now that I can stay at my friends and just take the tram to downtown instead of paying one hundred and twenty-five dollars for parking in one of the lots. Uh, and That's it was very, it was very efficient, and they were, they had a bunch of extra people there waving people into the event tram that took you right there and directing people to where they needed to go. It was like I was in Europe. Yeah, it was like functional public transit, amazing. California's public transit slowly is getting better. Yeah, well, but not, way too slow. not, not here. 
But not, uh, well, yeah. I mean, that the train that runs all the way from the beach all the way through down to downtown. Well, that doesn't exist yet, but it does. Yeah. Well, where? I mean, it stops where right now? No, you can take the train all the way from Santa Monica all the way to downtown now. What that the pink line down there? Or? It's just the brand new line that they built. I thought that I thought that stopped at like La Tierra. No, you can still get it. You can transfer, and the transfer okay, is a little, a little wonky, okay. but you can transfer and get on a train and go all the way. Because it's a big improvement from when we first, I first moved here. Because over sure. here, it's like the purple line. I mean, it's a different. I think they changed. They're not colors anymore because they ran out of colors or <laughs> letters again. Yeah. But like the you know the, what used to be the purple line supposed to go from downtown all the way to Santa Monica down Wilshire, mm-hmm. and that's been under construction for eleven years. Yeah. And they're about still to is. open. They're supposedly about to open the stations going out to La Cienega, which is maybe a mile of progress in 11 years. <laughs> it, well, they built a brand new line on the west side. Like, it was from mm-hmm. nothing. It's but they've been crazy. digging this thing forever. And every every weekend for the last decade, Wilshire closes on the weekends during nighttime. Mm-hmm. And you got to It's like... And there was like, oh, imagine what? I'm like, imagine what? I'm going to be able... I guess I'm going to be able to take a train to downtown the three times I do that a year. Yeah. But, like... Even when they finish that, it's like, okay, now I'm going to take a train out to what? Westwood? Yeah. Westwood Boulevard? Now what? Now, I, I, now you got to realize that everybody watching this doesn't give a crap. Yeah. But <laughs> they don't live in L.A. They don't care. But it's just amazing to me that, like, you know, we've been to Europe and, PT, and Japan enough. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you don't understand how bad it is. Everyone's like, how come everyone in America loves cars so much? Because otherwise we'd never get anywhere. You couldn't get anywhere. Like, it's just like... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, let's move on to housekeeping. And the first story in housekeeping for this week's episode is from Comic-Con. Probably the biggest video game-related announcement from Comic-Con 2023. God, almost the only one I can think of. Kinda, yeah. Is that we are getting a Marvel Spider-Man 2 PlayStation 5 bundle. Um, It's coming out on September 1st, which means it's Mm -hmm. actually coming out well before the game. Yeah. It's a little weird. Um, Mm. You get a downloadable code for the game with the console, and it comes... Better than coming out after. Yeah, that's true. And it comes with the, if you buy the bundle, it comes with the console. But you can buy the plates and the limited edition controller separately if you mm-hmm. want to. So if you have the OG PlayStation 5 and you just want the Spider-Man plates, you can totally buy them. And the controller. They haven't announced pricing for anything yet. Um, my guess is 550 I think they'll go 600 and charge you the extra 30 bucks. Oh, they're going to charge you for the controller, and the controller is not is with the system? Yeah. Yeah. But you charge. always get a controller with the system. Yeah. Well, they're going to charge you for the game. Right. So that would put you at 550 Five, 570 570 sorry. So you think, you think they're going to gouge you for the extra 30 bucks for 600 Um, They might. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> My guess is it probably is $600. Um, the right price would be 570 I think they'll probably bump it up to 600 What do you think of this console? That looks pretty pretty good. Like, um, like it looks better than most custom console things, mm-hmm. um, and actually looks different. Like too many of the custom PS5s have just been like sort of vague changes to the white decor. I thought this was the first um, one. I thought there were, I thought there were some plates they put out that were just. I mean, you could buy different colored on. plates, but this is the first mm. game specific console. Well, I, I might be thinking of the PlayStation Four. Then mm-hmm. I haven't been impressed by a PlayStation special console in a long time. I honestly never really like consoles like this at all. No, I don't. I would never really want a console that was like that dedicated to one game. Yeah, I usually um, don't do it. I do like the controller. If I can get the controller, I might do that. Yeah, it's pretty sharp. Um, but like, and it, you know, I do think it looks better than just the white. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. 
I'm I, I bought black plates already. Um, so you know, I obviously I obviously am partial to the black versus the white plates. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a fan of the OG black and white two tone PS5. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it from the first time I saw it, and I mm-hmm. like I think my console looks way better with the black plates. So I agree with you; it probably does look better than the white. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool design, you know, like the, the symbiote reaching out for the Spider-Man logo. I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, yeah, it's cool. Trying to take it over, basically. Um, I'm very, I'm mostly, I this is fine, but I'm most mostly amused by all the the, the increasing Spider-Man Two discourse online, where people think they know what that story is going to be about, and it's just like, have you? Did you just get here? Do you not know how much Insomniac loves to troll mm-hmm. in their preview stuff? Where yeah. like, I was like, oh my god, Venom's the main character, and their main, Venom's the. I'm like. Guys, do you remember when they did that like prison the the raft prison break f- trailer th- d- demo thing at E3 for Spider-Man 1 and they used literally fake footage That's right. of like of what looked like a glider like rising up next to him with mm-hmm. a light on him and he's like you just to hide that it was Dr. Octopus right, yeah. or like one of the cuts in that trailer is Spider-Man walks into the the lab in his Spider-Man suit with his mask off and then it cuts to Norman in the lab going Peter Parker, how the hell are you? And mm-hmm. like they they literally cut those those that the preview material to make you think yeah. Norman Osborn was the bad guy, yep. and he is a bad guy, but he's not Green Goblin. He's not the that. bad guy. Yeah. So like, no, Venom is not the main villain in this in this game. Well, they also released a new story trailer for the game that kind of puts all this stuff to rest yeah. anyway. So well, not if you've been reading Twitter yeah. or X or whatever the hell you want to call <laughs> yeah, whatever it. Whatever the hell it's called now. Um, it's it's very minus forty four billion dollars. It's is what very I call funny it. just watching people just like, oh, it's gonna be this like. No, like or, or like Venom's Craven or something. I was like, <laughs> what? Uh, lots of people like it in the chat. Um, Scorpius Finest says looks great to me. Might cop the plates. Um, Mellow Pintor says the controller is a buy for me. Um, Erebus says aren't they selling the plates separately? I, I mentioned that that they're selling the plates and the console separately. Uh, maybe you get out of here late. Um, Scorpius looks pretty hot. Very low mass controller is kind of sick. Sneaky says I'm on blackout. Be back later. <laughs> Spoilers about the yeah. plates. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up for housekeeping. Um, Overwatch 2, Matt, is really, really struggling. Like, really struggling. Um, finally, it is coming to Steam. Which is an admission that there's mm-hmm. problems because people have been waiting for Blizzard games to come to Steam for forever. And it appears what it finally took was one of Blizzard's games doing terrible and it needing a new audience and off it goes to Steam. Um, other things that are going on with Overwatch 2 right now. Um, it, by the way, it launches on Steam August 10th, so that's coming up soon. Um, Blizzard admitted that engagement is declining drastically. It's never said that about any of its games in the past, so you know it's a big deal. And the Overwatch League, which if you remember, Matt, was kind of the esports league that we pointed to as the one that we said, if the city-based esports thing is ever going to work, this is the one that's going to work. And it hasn't worked. In fact, when this esports season is over, they are voting on whether to continue the league or not. I know my vote. (laughs) What is what has happened with Overwatch Two? Do you think? Um, nobody cares anymore. It was, uh, the The core audience was was the Overwatch League fandom, and the Overwatch League. I mean, Overwatch League never made, made any money. It was just Blizzard pouring money into this thing that they hoped at some point would, I guess, magically gain a revenue stream. Esports in a nutshell, um, pretty much. What I like to say, but like, I mean, they just kind of walked away from it. Like, yeah, no one even cares. 
Like the people I know from like back in 2018, 2019 were obsessed with the Overwatch League. They're sometimes surprised when I know when I like send some sort of news story about it, and they're like, "Oh, that's still a thing. That's still up. Like, yeah, Overwatch League is still existing." It says like. I don't know if I've ever seen a fandom lost so hard and so It really fast. is crazy. I mean, people used to be apeshit over this game. Yeah. And now it's like Including they're apathetic. The yeah. And like I, I just don't know. It's and like, bizarre. And I even don't know if on I've top of the people that, like even on so top quick. of the people that never abandoned it, the people the people that did move on to Overwatch 2 hated Overwatch 2 for reasons I don't fully understand because I don't think I know the game well enough right. to understand. Yeah, what we don't the know the nuance and all that stuff. It's like me trying to explain the difference between two Guilty Gear games. Right. But like no, I, they just, it feels like every possible way they could have blown it, they blew it right down to no longer releasing those character trailers. Yeah. Like, they, I, I just, I never understood really what they were doing with this game. Like, why they built this elaborate lore and all these characters and all this backstory in this world and never did anything with it in the game itself. Yeah, I, um, I don't get it. Well, now, they, you know, they, their big plan was for this year to have story, single-player right. story content. And then they balked on they that didn't. and half-assed yeah. it. Like... I don't know. It's really bizarre. The other thing, too, I would say is that, like, this mode, which to me is Overwatch. Yeah. This mode now is in, like, every shooter. Yeah, everybody's using it. Everybody's using it. In fact, we just played it in Exoprimal. Mm -hmm. It's in there as well. It's in pretty much every shooter at this point. So it kind of lost its USP, its unique selling proposition, now that everyone's replicating the same modes that was kind of its signature mode. Um, but still, I do think that the roster of characters in this franchise is great. But... As to your point, they haven't done anything with them to make you care, keep caring about them and stay engaged with them. So it's kind if of crazy. If I were crazy. Microsoft buying Activision, Blizzard, one of my first moves would be to start shopping around an Overwatch movie. Yeah. Like a CG I film. would do that. And I would also put the team on creating an Overwatch game with a campaign in it. Yeah. To show off the characters. Like this could be the replacement for Halo. Right. Yeah, if you if you well, play a single player, maybe it could have been right. a year and a half ago. Right. I'm starting to wonder now. But if you want something that's gonna like you know make that you know fill that niche, like Overwatch could do it. Yeah, you'd have to like it would have to be really good, come out of the gate swinging, and and you have to wage a campaign to really convince people that yes, this is a change in the in the IP, but we are going to do it right. Mm -hmm. um, there's potential there. One thing I'm picking up be on watching to this B-roll is that the almost everyone's a bullet sponge. Yeah, people are definitely la living longer. I have been lighting people up in this B-roll, and they just keep on cruising. They're just like, whatever. Tis a mere flesh wound. So yeah, I remember the, <laughs> the kills used to be much faster in my, yeah. in my mind's eye. It's crazy to watch this now after. I mean, this is B-roll's, what, a year and a half, two years old yeah. at this point. So, um, well, I also like seeing like some of these characters not do what I'm used to seeing them do from years ago. Like, yeah. Because they change so much, of, especially how the tanks work. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that was part of the frustration, too, I think, is how often they'd mess with things and, like, in the name of balance. But it's like, you know, I mean, they just, you know, Blizzard also just got themselves hosed with uh, their that Diablo 4 patch recently, where it's just like, do you guys not know how to do this? They <laughs> like, really screwed up that patch. Amazing. And once again, Blizzard has to come out and apologize. Oh, we really screwed that up. It's like, how do you not know you're going to screw it up before you screw it up? Yeah. It's not that hard. It's the fourth one. Co contact the duh. Every episode, we find at least one example where the duh consulting agency can come in and save the day. Yeah, Every like, episode of Game Face, there's at least one instance from the week where we're like, duh. And, <laughs> I, and all the stuff are like, oh, well, somebody's going to, you know, like, oh, they're, we're adding an extra second to the port the town portal animation to delay people so they play a little bit longer each time. I'm like, 
and no one will ever notice that. And I'm like, the answer to that is always they, they are always going notice. to notice. They will always notice. There is nothing video game obsessed people do not notice. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they play the same damn game all day, yeah. every day. They notice every little change. So things Humans are not are very good at, at rhythm and recognizing the, the rhythm of things. And there are definitely, it's definitely a subset of even if it's 1% of the population that is going to instinctually know that that teleport is taking a split second longer than it used to. And then you're going to fucking find out about it. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, especially because in this day and age, like it's like, well, once you patch the whole thing, how can you compare? Well, because there are hours and hours and days and weeks of footage of the previous versions available in 4k oh yeah on everything there's so, no hiding anymore yeah, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous and then like, i had to put a press release out that said like we will never do that again <laughs> and it's like you should never be in a if you're on your fourth iteration of a franchise you should never be in the position to have to say we will never do that again yes you should know it's already. really crazy it really is um the good news though is that it does launch on steam on august 10th as i said and that next month is when that single-player stuff actually hits, finally. So, there is a chance that Blizzard could start turning things around a little bit here if they get the new audience. I don't see how. Like, I mean, who, does Steam make that much of a difference, really? Who's not buying Blizzard games because they're not on Steam? Right. What kind of tiny sliver of the population can that possibly exactly. be? Yeah. Like, I don't care. Who cares? It seems it feels like it's over. Yeah. This is a last-ditch effort, I guess. Kind of does. Yep. Like, you don't want to shut down one of your main pillars right before you get acquired. You know, so yeah. So, they're probably... That is pretty crazy. They're probably just trying to keep it alive through the merge process, because that can change how things are evaluated. That's true. Or, the cost you know, and... That, when, we, when, NBC, when Universal and Comcast merged, that was one of the big mandates at G4 and various places. You know, NBC Holdings was... Uh, we can't rock any boats, positive or negative. Like you basically, the best thing you could do during that like year and a half long merger section was to not make any noise. Just be vanilla. Just, yeah. yeah. Just be very quiet and keep everything the same. Yeah. That's how it goes. But when your game is struggling, your franchise is struggling, you got to do something. And Blizzard's trying something. We'll see how it goes. I'm not too convinced that it's going to make all that big of a difference. Yeah, Vincent says Apex got a ton of players when it came to Steam. Apex was on Origin, which is actively boycotted by people. People actively hate Origin. Like, yeah. I, like Battle.net doesn't have that problem, really. Yeah. Everybody's had a Battle.net account. I've had a Battle.net account since before the, 2000, the turn of the century. It's like, one of my only accounts ever that's been hacked. I, <laughs> I still get email been. notices all the time where people are trying to hack my Battle.net account. Like, I get the two-factor mm -hmm. authentication yeah. emails. And I'm I get like, that from my Sony account sometimes. Yeah. So it's like, someone tried to log in. I'm like, oh, Why okay. do people want into Battle.net so bad? Probably because you have, like, they, if you see an old enough account or something that's had War, War, World of Warhammer that long, it usually means you have some good exclusive stuff on those that's things. That's true. That's true. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest on Blizzard and Overwatch 2. Not looking good. Next up, we already kind of hinted at this game and talked about it a little bit, but Diablo 4, it was announced this week had a record-setting launch for Blizzard. It sold 10 million in 30 days. Matt, are you surprised that that makes it the best launch for a Blizzard game ever? 10 million in a month. Not really. Like Blizzard, you know, a lot of the big, you know, classic Blizzard games we think Blizzard games we think of launched when not that many people that you couldn't sell that many. Yeah, you know, it was. It's a it different is pretty time. crazy how much sales have increased over. And don't time. forget that Diablo Four, Diablo Three was Diablo Three was ten years ago. Even Starcraft, eleven years ago. Yeah, even Starcraft has struggled to sell anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a big difference too is that now Blizzard's games are multi-platform. For a long time, they were only on PC. Yeah, that helps. Now they're on consoles, and not just a, a console, like five or six different consoles. Um, 
So that makes a big difference too, but I was still kind of taken aback. I was like, wow, Blizzard's never sold 10 million of a game in the first month until now. Um, and again, another reason why Microsoft zeroed in on them. I because, mean, you remember when 10 million was the max subscribers of World of Warcraft? Right, that's true. After years? Yeah, that's true. Critical yeah. mass is a different thing now. It is, yeah. It's it's crazy how there's so much fewer, so many fewer games, but the games that do exist sell so much better. It's a changing financial model. Um, and some publishers have struggled to tackle it. Blizzard is big enough that it has not struggled. And in fact, at this point, releasing your game for every platform has become so easy with Unreal Engine and all the middleware that you have now that there's really no excuse for not having your game available for pretty much everything at launch anymore, unless you really got hit with crunch at the end and just mm. weren't prepared for the development cycle to end when we're it did. A, a weird indie dev that keeps posting weird stuff about how you can't release your game on Xbox Series because the SSD is too slow, huh? but the PS5s isn't. What? It was, it was a it actually I can't now I can't remember that. Everybody name. else seems to be doing just fine. It was some head of some indie company that they actually just canceled the PS4 version of the same game they were talking about. Basically, they were saying like the PS5 SSD is so fast they don't have load screens in the game. But if they put it on Xbox, they'd have to put load screens in the game. So they refused to do that. And people <laughs> really? are like, because because the the PS5 SSD is like twice as fast as the Xbox One and. A bunch of tech people were in their replies being like, that's not absolutely true. not true. <laughs> like, yeah. How would a developer not know better than that? I mean, well, a lot of, I mean, most of the people replying were like, sounds like a skill issue. Kind yeah. of thing. He's like, well, right. what, what don't you know about how to program on the Xbox? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Like if you're just porting code over, yeah, maybe it didn't work right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what a time to acquire Activision Blizzard. One of Blizzard's big franchises selling better than ever. Score, although the review scores weren't better Quantum than ever. Quantum Error. That's the name of the game. The that, game that, that they're the struggling game that was, to get to yeah. run on Xbox, Quantum Air. And just cancel the PS4 game. I, what an ironic title for the game. It was funny because the message about the PS4 game was like, it wouldn't be the same experience as PS5 owners, and that wouldn't be fair to the PS4 players. I'm like, <laughs> so what is fair is they don't get to play the game at all? At all, That's, right. Okay, sure. <laughs> I think you might want to ask them about that. There's got to be a better wording for that yeah. one. Yep. So congratulations to Blizzard and... By proxy, congratulations to Microsoft. It hit struck while the iron is hot, to say the least. Uh -huh. A good time to buy Blizzard right now. Uh, next up, remember the crazy streaming-only PlayStation Q yeah. remote play handheld? I'm trying to forget. Yeah, a lot of people are trying to forget. Um, well, units are out in the wild now, and somebody on Twitter was dumb enough to post video of the unit that they came across and it looks like a hack job. Did you see it by any chance? Yeah. What did you think of it, Matt? I think if you're going to do that, you should probably at least take the, the fucking film off, the, the cellophane film off the screen first. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks terrible. It's a completely useless object. Like, it, you need the fucking... The, the the console in the network to play it mm -hmm. like who why who cares? I mean, conceivably, it should still have like a CPU in it because it still has to do stuff. And probably it's a GPU of so some I kind. So I do wonder if it will maybe be able to play really simple games natively. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. But I think it's just a screen. Yeah. And I will say this, too. What was shown in those videos on Twitter aren't dissimilar to what's being shown right here, by the way. But mm -hmm. it was seeing it in normal lighting with just a cell phone camera 
without the fancy sort of CG stuff that they're doing here and no, all the I fancy just, blue lighting. Just, and They just stuck two halves of a, of a DualSense on the ends of an Android tablet. They really did. That is really what it is. It also, they found that it does, in fact, run Android. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that they discovered from those videos that came out. So, I don't know, Matt. I was kind of like you. I was like, this thing seems like worthless hunk of junk. But I was like, maybe there's still opportunities after seeing those leaks. Like, I don't know. I feel like I've gone the uh, run. I'm running away now. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, I'm good. Welcome, Get me out welcome of here. back to the sane side. Yeah, I, I don't know what how this escaped from. It's really bizarre. R and D. Yeah. I, I, what what use case could this possibly cover? I mean, we and it feels like it. they know because like they're basically this feels like a almost like it's slapped together up from off the shelf parts and thrown into the marketplace like a hand grenade. Like it's. it's I mean, it literally looks like they cut a DualSense controller down the middle, mm-hmm. split it, put the screen, and just glued the c- controllers. Yeah, it on just it. makes me think of the uh, the keyboard controller for the gamecube which we thought was ridiculous as well when yeah. it came out yeah <laughs> but again at least that had a use case <laughs> that's true that's absolutely true a very anyway. limited one but yeah uh, we still don't know the exact release date i don't think for q oh. yeah i don't think they've announced that yet i think it's just in the fall still the fact that there are kits out there and there are units out there maybe that'll be the big uh, reveal at tga at the game awards that could be or gamescom it could be yeah i guess Gamescom. or tokyo game show maybe so there's still a couple events left. Speaking of which, Gamescom coming up next month. That'll be a big show, I think. Because mm. everybody's going. They won't go to E3, but they'll go to Gamescom, which is interesting. Um, so anyway, that's the latest on the PlayStation Q handheld. Again, people still, Matt, get confused when they see it. They still think it's the sequel to Vita. They still think like you're going to be able to buy games yeah. for it and just play it. That is not what it is. You're not even going to be able to play it like on the go. It's no. just literally like if you want to play PlayStation in your 5 hotel games room. In, a, in a house. Yeah. That the PlayStation 5 is downstairs or something. Yeah. It is just, just to be clear, it is just streaming whatever game is on your PlayStation 5 through a network to the screen on the handheld. It, like, it, it seems like a really weird way of duplicating the Switch functionality for an obscene amount of extra money. Yeah. Which is like, is maybe that's in demand? I don't, like, it, it, I, it's amazing to me that there are enough, there are people who would have the money to own a PlayStation 5 and a TV of that nature and pay for this thing who couldn't just get another cheaper TV for another room if you want to play while other people are using the main TV. Like, it needs a 5G antenna. Yeah. You have to be able to take it on the go. Like, you can't. Now you have to be in, if you go somewhere on vacation or whatever, you have to play it in your hotel room where you mm-hmm. have internet access. You can't if the take internet it. access is even fast enough. Right. Which If your wife, PlayStation 5 Wi-Fi, stays on properly. Right. If you, like there's, it's ridiculous. It's pretty crazy. I don't know what they're thinking, but anyway. And, like, you can already do that on your phone. Like, there, a remote play is not new. This yeah. is, like, a d- dedicated remote play well, device for what reason? The Vita did it. Right. Yeah. And it actually had wireless right. Vita. Now, I'm sure this controls better because it actually is using the real controller, but like... I hate bringing up the Vita when I'm talking about this because I feel like as soon as you do that, people are like, oh, it's like the Vita. Even though we just said it's not like that. I mean, it's like the Vita and that's going to be a complete failure. Uh, For whatever reason, with this piece of hardware, people's minds cannot get over the hump to realize what it is. Like when we post, when we did like a Pactor Factor about it, 
half of the comments were like, ah, but you know, everybody thought, even after listening to Pactor talk about it for 10 minutes, still thought it was just Vita 2. Like, yeah. I don't understand what the mental block here is, but... Why would any? Why would Sony ever do a Vita 2? Exactly. Like, the Vita, two, the Vita was PSP 2. They tried twice. Yeah. It sucked. Well, people... Here's the other thing. Pactor well, always they says, sucked at it. People really. always say that... Pactor always says that the, the PSP was a failure. And I think I've mentioned this on Game Face before, but... Mm. but it was it was a failure. People in the comments were always like, "It wasn't a failure. It sold eighty million. It sold no software. Its yeah. attach rate was like three point five games per PSP. Mm-hmm. It was a pirate machine. Yeah. That's what it was. People installed. It was, it was a jailbroken. Yeah, it was a jailbroken yeah. like pirate machine. Like a lot of people enjoyed their Vita and their PSP for reason for home for reasons illegal reasons basically. Yeah. yeah, which and yeah, they're good for that. But also, that's not a successful system. No. Because like you that, make your money selling software. Right. So just, let's just dispel that myth right now on Game Phase 351 that the PSP was a success. It was not a success. It doesn't matter how many units of hardware you sell when you don't make any money off the hardware. You make money mm-hmm. off the games, and they sold no games for the PSP. So right now, let's just put that, that was, misconception to rest right here. And that right was on here. top of making the wrong bet on the UMD thing. Right. And all, all, which I still have a whole Ziploc bag they, full. Which of. they only did because they own the patent on it. Right. They own the mini disc yeah. thing. Proprietary. It's it's, same deal with Game, GameCube discs. The it's mini also disc why you remember when the Vita came out and you had to buy the proprietary memory stick for like one hundred and forty dollars yeah. for like eight gigs. It was un- <laughs> obscene. <laughs> that was obscene. Yeah. Yep. So anyway. That's the latest on the PlayStation Q handheld. Not looking too inviting to me, and I would definitely recommend that you have a critical eye when you check that out before you buy it. Um, next up, remember when Grand Theft Auto 6 leaked, Matt? Yeah. And all that crazy information came out. We ran it here on Game Face, and the episode got blocked, and we had to like completely like black out the entire topic because Rockstar put in all mm-hmm. kinds of crazy copyright requests for it. Well, the person who did that was caught, and we didn't talk about that on Game Face that they actually caught the guy. But that is one thing we should mention here, by the way, is that they were caught. So the people who are out there doing this stuff, thinking they're going to get away, you're not going to get away with it. They're going to catch you. They're going to find you. Nobody ever gets away with this stuff. I don't know what this kid was thinking. He's 18. He was a part of some weird hacker group that had done the same crap with like three other Fortune 500 companies where they were like hacked, hacked into their their stuff, got it, and then tried to blackmail them for it. Mm-hmm. And then when they didn't when they didn't pay the blackmail money, they released the stuff out to the public. They had done that with like three other Uber was one of the companies they had done it to. Mm. And this kid is like crying, saying, "Oh, I'm too young. I didn't know what I was doing." He was a part of a hacker group that did it to five corporations. So not only did they catch the guy, the guy has twelve charges against him. Um, for fraud, misuse of a computer, like some of the laws in, in Europe are a little weird, and this did happen in Europe. Um, so yeah, he was he is for fraud, like misuse of a computer and blackmail. He's charged with. He has twelve charges mm-hmm. against him. If he is found guilty of even half of those charges, he's going to prison for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, Should have committed sexual assault. You don't get anything for that. Yeah, you just walk away. Oh, you're too young to ruin your life for that. (laughs) Boys being boys. Oh, but fuck with a corporation. Yeah. You're you're going going to jail. jail. (laughs) So anyway, this is more just a PSA. feel free to tell me how everything's fine. Yeah. So really, this is just more of a PSA for y'all out there who maybe are trying to do this kind of stuff. Think you're going to get it over. It's You're not. You're going to get caught. You're going to get in trouble. So... Mm -hmm. Just keep that in mind. Um, and obviously, you know, Rockstar and all these companies, 
does have the ability to just pull the charges if it wants to. So maybe Rockstar his, is not going not going to happen with Rockstar. Nope. And maybe some of the others because mm-hmm. Uber, you know, is a huge corporation as well. Um, but this kid's learning the lesson the hard way. But look, he tried to he tried to extort Rockstar for like a million dollars. He tried mm-hmm. to extort Uber for a million dollars. Like this isn't some little petty like five dollar crime that we're talking about here. So do I think he was young and naive and got in over his head? Probably. Oh yeah, he's a dumb kid. Yeah, but. You're not a kid technically when you're 18. So You are because your brain isn't fully developed. Well, yeah, I like, consider you it, a kid. But. I mean, legally, sure, but that's an arbitrary distinction. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, you ever think about the fact, you know, oh, in your 20s, you're this, in your teens, you're this, in your 30s, this, in your 40s, this. If we didn't have a base 10 counting system, that whole thing would be different. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't think of ages in that in those brackets. Those brackets are completely arbitrary. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, biologically speaking, the brain still develops until the mid twenties. Oh yeah, and this kid made a poor decision, but also uh, know what your children are doing online. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the parents yeah. aren't. He was definitely in seventeen when he was doing this yeah. before this all. Yeah, happened. he was. He was a minor when he yeah. was breaking the law for sure. Now he's an adult. So uh, just something to keep in mind if you're out there doing stuff you shouldn't be yeah. doing. I also did in the in the flurry around that when people were talking about the GTA Six leak again and like what's GTA Six going to be. Da, da, da. And I, my favorite tweet was someone that was just like, it just said, uh, you know, GT, GTA art art design or GTA Six art designer. And it's, it's like it's like I'm going to model this entire city down to the individual blades of grass and leaves on the trees. GTA Six writer. What about a burger place called Five Gays? Yeah. It's like, that is the best <laughs> satire of Rockstar I have ever read. It, that is yep. absolutely what that game is going to be. It is going to be a technical marvel on a level we have never imagined, and it's going to have the humor of a 12-year-old from 2002. <laughs> Probably. That is GTA. <laughs> that is kind of GTA in a nutshell. Let's by, and by the way, GTA Five just turned 10, turning 10 this year. You know it was 10 when GTA 5 came out? GTA 3. I know. Think about how many games we got in the first 10 years, and now we've got one in the next 10. GTA 5 is now as old as GTA 3 was when GTA 5 came out. And think about how old GTA 3 felt when GTA 5 came out. How primitive it was. Don't forget that you have, like, San Andreas and Vice City and all these other... Oh, yeah. But I'm saying, like, (laughs) think about how how ancient that game felt when you put GTA 5 in for the first time. And now think about putting GTA 5 in now, and it doesn't feel that ancient. It won't feel that ancient. ancient. Yeah. I actually just played it. Um, uh, to capture some 4K. I was doing tests on 4K game capture, and I decided to capture some Grand Theft Auto Five and some GTA Online. I, I've tried to play GTA Online again, and I chose the path of the nightclub owner, and it got to some weird moment where, like, the game was almost, like, broken. It was asking me to do something, but there was some other, like, contingency that was needed to be done, and I needed to, like, travel to the other side of the map, and I was like, no, hmm. no. Don't care. Done. Turned it off. I got my, like, 40 minutes of footage of GTA Online that I'll need for B-roll going forward, and I was out. So, But to your point, playing GTA V, the campaign, it doesn't feel that dated. Games have not evolved that much in the last decade. They really haven't. I mean, the big AAA ones are kind of all... Also, they figured all the shit out. Mm -hmm. You know, GTA 3 was still trying to figure out how to aim. Mm -hmm. You know, that's been a solved thing after after a certain point. Well, they just have auto-aim. 
It's like in that game, you just snap, shoot. But you can snap, also actually shoot, control snap, the. Shoot. You can control the cursor. You like, can, but you don't need to. It literally just automatically locks right, on but are to you, everybody. Do you remember how GTA Three worked? Yeah. Like it was like you had to move the, like flick yeah. the rectangle back Which, and forth. How they don't figure that out? Nonsense. I don't know. It's crazy. Do you do you realize you have a second analog stick on that controller? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Like, and it wasn't until the PC version of the you know that Vice City and San Andreas you could aim properly. Yeah. Yep, it's and, crazy. And it then really they brought is. the snap zoom back for four. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest on the court case for Grand Theft, the Grand Theft Auto 6 leaks. Um, next up, we learned just yesterday that the ESRB is pitching an idea to use facial recognition to buy video games. Where you would submit a picture of your face and that would decide whether or not you're old enough to buy teen or M-rated games. Um, according, uh, according to the SRB, it's known as the Privacy Protective Facial Age estima Estimation. Basically, to buy a game, a user would have to take a picture of their face right at that moment to submit it for verification, at the moment that you buy it. So I'm assuming retailers would have F a camera there. File under things that will never happen. <laughs> um, photos that don't meet the required quality will be rejected, while accepted photos are submitted to um, a back end for age estimation by some company How called... How about this? When I need to go through that to buy a gun, <laughs> yeah, we right. can talk about this. How about that? Fuck you. How about that? Come some on. Some third-party company called Yodi has the back end for facial recognition. Fuck off. There's no possible way that would pass EU customer laws. You wouldn't Not think. a chance in hell. Well, it's ESRB, so it wouldn't. It, right. Only in the U.S. Oh, yes, well, yeah. But still... And it's not, not a chance in hell. And then it's here's the here's the rub. It says after verification, the photo is said to be immediately permanently deleted. That's not, which none that that's ever true. <laughs> that almost never comes true. No. So on the scale of abysmal ideas to terrible ideas, where does this fall? Somewhere around the Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere around the Q. <laughs> what is the ESRB thinking? When they could just pull out the ID. Are they trying to circumvent the fact that retailers don't check IDs no, to buy games? this is for digital. It's for digital this only? Is for not only, but this is because of digital. Because, they want to verify who is buying the game. Interesting. Digitally. This is so not they, about retail point of sale. So they would want, they would have to have a web camera set up? You, or are they yeah. asking you to use an app? You'd have a probably an account that like basically says, send us a picture, or send us a selfie right now. This is straight out. Like, like when you get like a two-factor authentication thing. This is straight out of dystopia. It's ridiculous. It's insane. I can't even, it, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's ever going to happen. The fact that it bubbled up so much that it made it out to the public is insane. I mean, I'm sure one of the reasons it made it out, a lot of times when things like this make it out to the public is because someone internally is like, this is insane. I cannot get the idiots who run this place to recognize that it's insane. <laughs> so I'm going to let it out there so they can see how people react to it. Yeah, so now you'll know that you were crazy for pitching this idea. See also um, uh, the AMC charging more for different seats in the theater thing. Yeah. Which, Patrick's brought that up. Which went, people went crazy for. They tested in like three theaters and now it's going away forever. Oh, it is? Yeah, they just announced last week that it's, it's they're quietly killing that whole thing because it's insane. Pactor didn't advocate for selling seats, depending on where the seats are. He advocated for the earlier you go to see the movie, the more it costs. If you want to see it on day one, it costs $5 more. The second mm. week, it's $3 more. And it goes down until... Interest in the movie wanes, basically. I mean, that kind of already happens 
where like you see a late at the second run. I mean, second run theaters don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. but that's always been the model where it's like you know you pay full price or you get a matinee or you go to the second run theater or you go see it a few weeks later when it's not in the nice screens mm-hmm. and it's like three bucks cheaper. Not on IMAX or whatever. Yeah, there used to be a dollar theater at Tanforan up in San Francisco back mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Like that was there, but again, like everybody wants to make their money in the first six weeks and then immediately go to streaming, so that's not really a viable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the movies aren't in theaters long enough to warrant that pricing model anymore. Yeah, you're right. Like, why charge someone less four weeks later when they would probably just pay the same price? Or just wait another week and rent it for five bucks or six bucks. Well, 20 bucks. Yeah. A lot of the stuff is Well, the first week of rent, they're like 20 or whatever, but... A week or two later, they're down to the five yeah, or six dollars. That lasts about a month now. Does it really? Yeah, for the ones that are that like right stage at the where end, you can buy right at the end of the six month window, yeah. and like a lot of times, like oh, buy for twenty five or rent for twenty. They want you to buy. It. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Um, because what they're struggling, that's one of the things they're struggling with is like, there's no revenue stream for physical media anymore. They They've lost that. that whole stream. They blew, of the revenue. DVD Blu-ray market was one of the things keeping keeping revenues and and residuals afloat right that's one of the problems with the strike and why it's going to go on so long is everybody wants residuals and they want from the streaming services which is fair like yeah for sure there are none the streaming services don't make revenue like that Mm -hmm. that's the thing that in the end the problem the stu the reason the studios are dug in so hard on this is because the end result of this is they're going to have to admit that they aren't making any real revenue from this model and they don't have another idea yeah and you can't put that genie back in the bottle. No, you can't. Well, here's the problem. The studios aren't making as much money. And they want the talent and the, the labor right. to eat all that. Right. They don't want to eat the money. Right. The executive wing doesn't want to give up their million-dollar bonuses and right. all that stuff. Right. They want to still get rich in show business. Right. But they don't, they're like, well, no one else can get rich in show business yeah. anymore. Look, Netflix lost $18 billion in company value in one day last week. That could have paid for the WGA and, and SAG's All demands for their demands. 37 years. Yep. They are not asking for anything ridiculous by the standards of Hollywood accounting. It's they crazy. are simply asking for, fair, in the end, what fair. they're asking is going to result in the executives and, 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 the, and the, the high-end people being paid less. And that is the problem. That's why they're fighting. And yeah. you can't, if the studios admit the streaming revenue is not... What they what they said it was going to be when they made it their entire business model, the shareholders are going to revolt, and that's going to result in people yeah, at the then executive you lose level another losing their jobs. Billion dollars. And, <laughs> and remember what happened here, and this is happening again with the AI thing. The 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 studios are being suckered into bullshit magical Silicon Valley thinking again, and they already had already happened with the streaming service because the the model for all the streaming services was the VC Silicon Valley startup model, which was build your subscriber base, build your user base, build your audience as big, 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 big as you can. Then the, try to make money. No, the problem. No, the problem is that. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. But no, the problem is that then try to make money. For the, for the startup Silicon Valley thing is sell the company to a bigger traditional mm-hmm. company that wants to fill a gap in their their you know their portfolio basically mm-hmm. and then you run away with the money and you're rich but Warner Brothers isn't going to sell Max to anybody. Right. Yeah. Paramount isn't going to sell Paramount Plus to anybody. They're stuck with it. Yeah. The end result is like oh there is no revenue stream here because this this strategy is literally to make yourself a 
appealing to a company like Paramount that is not agile enough to do that first, so they just acquire someone who's already done it. Yeah. I and, mean, that's pretty typical of business. And ideally, you Something plug... Something not in your wheelhouse, right. you buy somebody. But ideally, you plug that into an existing model that then you know is able to use other aspects of your business model to then sell to that subscriber base you just acquired. Yeah. But in this case, the plan was to use that subscriber base to somehow magically make revenue. It's almost esports-worthy planning mm-hmm. in that there's no revenue. Like, no, everyone pays about 15 bucks a month as a family per household to see this stuff and that's you don't get anything else out of them yeah that's it yeah it's it's uh it's a problem and wait for it because that shit's about to hit gaming too yeah i'm not sure how we got there from the esrb facial recognition discussion but that's how game face rolls sometimes (laughs) um up next we got a little bit of bad news from ubisoft today well i guess depending on your perspective um when it was revealed that the sequel to immortal phoenix rising has been canceled matt get used to it get used to what you be canceling things to put more people on other assassin's creed projects <laughs> how do you feel about this i'll be honest with you i this game didn't resonate with me all that much i like this game um i know some people I don't, really liked it i honestly don't think i ever really expected a sequel um it, it did well enough to warrant one but mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where you know modern ub just you know it, it's sad, but it makes sense to me that you throw all your eggs in the Assassin's Creed basket now because it's the only reliable source of major revenue they have anymore. Yeah, After, really now, has now that they've that murdered way. Ghost Recon with Breakpoint, yeah. like there's nothing else. I mean, Rainbow Six Siege is a money making machine. Yeah, but you can't m- keep making that every year. I mean, I want like a Rainbow Six game, like a normal shooter. Like well, you're never getting it. I love the I love the Rainbow Six franchise. Yeah, but you're I never- love. You're never getting that. I know. I also love the Ghost Recon franchise before they murdered it. It's very weird. It's like all you needed to do was Wildlands again. Yeah. And they kind of did, but it just, I, I, because at Wildlands, I got it at a Steam sale earlier this year for like $5 or something. Mm -hmm. Wildlands is a lot more fun than Breakpoint, and I don't really know why. Well, it's open world, insanity. Yeah, but Breakpoint's more serious. Like, I don't know. It, to me, one is like GTA and the other one is like Far yeah, it's, Cry. It's just fascinating because it's like they basically just turn the dial on that yeah. maybe like a quarter this way and it just completely changes how the game it feels. It really does. Like when they killed Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Live last week or and we talked about it on the show, one of the things I thought about was Ghost Recon. Mm-hmm. Because one of the most profound experiences I had when they first launched Xbox Live was playing Ghost Recon. Those games were amazing. They were, like, to me, way better than Halo. They were the best shooters on Xbox Live. And that has all gone away. Like, that franchise was also yeah. transformed. And I get that they're, ma- they're still making a ton of money off of the Wildlands-style Ghost Recon. Um, but I would much rather go back. they go back to the traditional style of Ghost Recon, where it's, like, a shooter where you, like, have to be planning, and you have to be meticulous, you have to be careful. No, but there's no market for that anymore. There was back then, man. Those yeah. servers were full all day, every day. Dif- like Different world. It the is. The world like, has moved on. It's crazy how much has changed. So, I miss the old school I think Ghost the Recon games. The people who wanted thinking like that went to MOBAs. Yeah. And, uh, and that kind of thing. I miss the Rainbow Six games when they tried something kind of a little different every time. Like... Advanced Warfighter, like there's all kinds of games through there that were always a little bit different, but I always enjoyed them. And now they just have this game as a service juggernaut, and now it's just killed the franchise. Like I I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. Six Assassin's Creed games in development, so right, right. That's my point. Which means there's one we don't know about. Right? Is there? 
I think, unless I'm forgetting one, because it's Mirage, Jade, Red, the Portal, Infinity, whatever that platform. There's thing the Witch is. one. Oh, the Witch Hexies. one. That's it. And yeah. then and then the Black Flag remake. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's six. That's insane. But I'll be. I agree with you. They like, canceled, I'll be honest. It's probably the best thing for them to yeah, do. But they and, canceled three other projects too to put them put people on. And then they, you know, they're working on a 2D Prince of Persia, which I think looks great and all, but it's not going to set the the house on fire. Like, well, how about this? I mean, uh, uh, Skull and Bones turns 10 this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's hilarious. Beyond Good and Evil, who knows what the hell is going on? Well, the lead developer on that died. (laughs) Yeah. He did. He He died like two weeks ago. He's like in his 40s and he passed away, which is just horrible. That game's been through a number of iterations. Um, that was like to me. I'm like, man. I mean, for people, that might be the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, people I know told me that like basically. I, mean, I hate they, to even bring that like, up. They weren't even but. involved in that project. They weren't even in the same city necessarily. But like, from what they understood, like that that CG reveal trailer and at E3 2017 was like, oh, that's what the game is. Like, <laughs> oh, really? And they've been basically trying to reverse to engineer that. back into making that game uh. since. Um, that's not a great way to that's build That's like a it. Molyneux way yeah, to do that is. <laughs> I'll go talk about it to the press, and then we'll try to make it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Molyneux model. That sounds good, right? <laughs> well, then what else tested the, it with us. I mean, that's also what Anthem did. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, people who are working on the game, like, found out what the game was going to be watching the E3 presentation. Right. Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's nonsense. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I'll be too sad that there's not a sequel to Immortal... Um, it was a little bit unique. I think maybe the part of the problem was that it didn't look as unique as it was. Yeah, it like you it, just it, was lo- hard it to looked tell like what it was. Kid Icarus Assassin's Creed, but that yeah. really wasn't what it was. But at I all. think it's one of the more successful non Nintendo Zelda games. Yeah, like that, it's like one of the only ones. There aren't yeah, any that and Dark Side. That Dark Siders and Alundra are probably yeah. your best. I mean, Nintendo Zelda isn't clones. even making them anymore. Although yeah. I, I did actually, I did play a Nintendo game. We're going to talk about it in a minute. That is, its design is very Zelda like, and that's what I loved about it. Um, so anyway. R.I.P. to the Immortal Phoenix Rising franchise. I mean, that's it. If you want to call that a franchise. Well, one game, I guess it can't. Yeah. One game does not a franchise make, I think. Uh, next up, if you have been on Sifted today, you probably already realize this, but Armored Core 6 is get, getting blown the F out today. I'm glad you finished that sentence. Why? Because originally you just you paused weirdly after Assassin uh, or Armored Core Six is getting blown. Oh, and I was like, "Are we going to finish that?" Okay, there we go. Um, during this is another one of the big stories that came from Comic Con. In fact, IGN has some crazy marketing deal for the game at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Like their their big Comic Con party was sponsored by Armored Core Six. But there's if you go to Sifted right now, there's if a you know Armored Core well enough, that is not a party I would necessarily want to go to. No, because <laughs> someone's going to have to fight to the death. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there are a couple hands-on previews, some gameplay, a new trailer, tons of stuff about Armored Core 6 out there today. And pretty much the resounding opinion about Armored Core 6 is that it's awesome. Mm-hmm. All, all the press that have played it are like singing its praises. And I'm feeling real good right now about me drafting it in that 10 slot. Um, people, and it is interesting, almost every preview for it, the crux of the preview is com- is trying to tell from software fans whether they're going to like it or not. Mm-hmm. And it it feels like from reading all the coverage and watching the coverage that it's going to be like 50-50. It's not yeah. like a Souls game per se, like but it has elements. To, you're going to have to like their philosophy of design, but you cannot expect Dark Souls. Right. Yeah, that's, that seemed to be what they were hinting at. 
But they still Which said is exactly that they love the game. Most of us expect yeah, yeah. it to be. Well, I think from software fans, maybe you have reached a little bit of a delusional point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about people that compare literally everything to Dark Souls, right? Or Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the good news is, all reports are saying that this game is awesome, and I'm also pretty much at a hundred percent now that the game is coming out this year. Well, it's coming out at the end of the month. Yeah. Wait, this month? Isn't it this month? No, uh-uh. No, that would, have been the, that would have been the thumbnail for Dossier if it was coming out this month. Or is it October? Yeah, it's it's not at the end of the year. Um, and I was a little bit dicey about it. Now, I'm, I'm 100% sure it's actually going to come out this year. So, looks like Armor Core 6, without a doubt, is going to be a 2023 Armor Core comes game. out on the 25th. Of what? August. Yeah, this is July, Matt. Oh, it's almost August. <laughs> it almost is, but not quite. Look, yeah. as soon as uh, as as soon as um, Comic Con ended, August started. <laughs> I hear I'm you. Concerned. I get it. <laughs> Trying to turn the page. Um, so anyway, not long to wait for this, and I don't suspect that there's going to be any delays. We should be playing Armor Core Six in the very near future. And then finally, the last piece of housekeeping for episode 351 is our old buddy Cyberpunk 2077. We talked, I think it was last week or the week before about how they were trying to sweep under the rug the idea that the game wasn't busted at launch. And a furtherance of this attempt to sweep everything under the rug is that CD Projekt Red is releasing a second collector's edition for Cyberpunk 2077, Matt. It is a collector's edition based on DLC. Mm -hmm. Never happened before. My I guess said, is it never happens again. I can't remember any collector's edition based on a DLC release. World of Warcraft. All the expansions had collector's editions. Did they? I have them all. Yeah. They're the big, those big album book looking things. I mean, they didn't come with statues and all that shit. Like a modern, like when you think of a collector's edition today. But yeah, all the expansions had collector's editions. Well, this one is coming. Those, however, were expansions to... Um, a game that didn't break at launch so yeah it's, it's a little different well this one is coming with a statue like a lithograph a comic some mm -hmm. weird goofy thing that comes in like a clamshell case and it costs 180 dollars and it doesn't come with the game oh uh, yeah that's classic at all <laughs> to me this is just them trying to be like you know what we're gonna reset this game and try to for have everybody forget Everything that happened at the original launch of this game. We're going to launch a brand new collector's edition. We're going to launch this new DLC that completely remakes the core of the game. And we're going to put messaging out there from our PR that what you remember about the Cyberpunk 2077 launch didn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. Like the psychology that they're trying to impart on people with this. Like, I'll be the first one to say I didn't even have that many problems playing it at launch because I played it on PlayStation 5. Um, I had very minimal issues. But there's no denying that the PS4 and Xbox One versions of this game were junk. So, interested you know in buying this, on? Matt? No. I, <laughs> I mean, I might buy a digital version with some extra stuff, but I don't need physical objects anymore. Really. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I'm not, I don't even. I mean, the Jedi Survivor Collector's Edition is the first physical Collector's Edition I've bought in forever, and that's only because it was a lightsaber. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine what you would need to. I can't imagine what something. Maybe like Star Wars Outlaws, if they have a cool collector's edition. But I don't need any more statues. Yeah, like you that don't. Has, that has a statue. I am not going to buy anything. You have no more horizontal space 
in your house. Yeah, I could put in some shelving, I guess. Yeah. But also, like, who, they're not that good. Like, I pretty much stopped buying all that stuff at this the, point. The thing that really broke me was... I have my collection now of stuff that I like to display, and that's good enough for me. The thing that really broke me was, um, I think, the Witcher 3 Collector's Edition, where the, the Geralt statues were all painted like somebody had just thrown up on them. Like... The paint jobs oh, yeah, on them were horrifying. That. That's right, I remember that. Yeah. And they were all terrible, and they, then the company wouldn't do anything about it. And CD Projekt Red was like, we didn't make the statues, and they won't really do anything. They couldn't, nobody, everyone was a stalemate, basically. You were stuck with these terrible things. And there was a point where it's just like, why? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I had, what was the last real, the last D, like, collector's edition statue thing I have on display anywhere is, I think, Aloy from the Horizon Zero Dawn one. Yeah. Which, that was a nice one. Mm-hmm. That was pretty nice. Oh, they make good ones. It's just that, like, at a certain point... It's like, I don't have any more shelf space. Yeah, what's the point? The stuff that I have out that's displayed already, I really like. And I think the last one I got where I was like, oh, I was nowhere to do it. was, uh, I got the Nino Kuni 2 collector's edition, yeah. which came with that really cool, like, sort of, it was like a music box of the little town. And yeah, stuff. yeah. And I'm like, there's nowhere to put this. Yeah. I don't know. And look, I'm not saying that you guys shouldn't buy stuff. Like, a lot of y'all are younger than me. You haven't built your collection yet. You haven't bought mm-hmm. all the stuff that you like that you want to display. It it's gets to a certain point where you're like, I have everything I want. It's also frustrating now where, like, Sometimes these things sell out like that, and you'll never see them again for mm-hmm. like less than double retail. Right. Sometimes no one gives a shit, and you can't and you can get, get them for you 30, give them away. 40 bucks later. <laughs> you can get them on clearance somewhere, like, mm-hmm. like you know, six months later. And it's like there's no way to to, to tell. There's no way to predict it. Like the g- games, like oh, this game's not very popular, so people will probably. But then like it's just popular enough that enough people want the collector's edition that it sells out. Whereas like like okay, Call of Duty collector's editions you can probably get. Like on clearance about six yeah. months later, no problem. Mm-hmm. But like they make a ton of them. It's just it's just frustrating in that regard. Yeah. And I understand why people just sort of back away from them. There's like there's no. But it's also very weird to buy a big deluxe collector's edition of something you don't know if you like yet or not. That's the problem. That's that was what I was going to get at. The big issue is that there's no reviews for collector's editions. In that sense, collector's editions for DLC makes more sense because <laughs> at least you know whether you, know whether you like it or like not. the game or not. That's hilarious, actually, that we got back around there. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, it's like you're, you have to buy them before you know whether the statue is good or any of the other stuff is good, because if you don't buy it sight unseen, you'll never get it for Actually, a lot of them. Uh, uh, amendment, I did order the collector's edition of Starfield. Oh, you did? Well, I don't think that surprises anyone. No. <laughs> I think we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, so anyway, there you go. 180 bucks, you can get a statue, a couple other tchotchkes, but you don't get the game. If you want to try to forget how terrible Cyberpunk 2077 was at launch. Um, and with that, it's time to get on with the bulk of the show. But before we do, a word from our awesome sponsor. LS Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. LS Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com sifted. That's creamls.com sifted. 
All right, everyone, as I say every week, make sure you head to creamls.com slash sifted, that's S-I-F-T-D, to figure out where you can buy LS Cream locally or where you can buy it online and have it shipped directly to you. My wife's sister is coming into town for my wife's birthday this weekend, and I cannot wait to mix her up a drink with LS Cream. She used to be a bartender in college, and so she is quite the mixologist when it comes to drinks. And like most bartenders, she has used Bailey's for pretty much the bulk of her life. I already talked to her about Ella's cream, and she can't wait to try it. She's from, uh, she's in Fort Lauderdale, which uh. means that she could go back there and turn on all her friends to Ella's cream, which is something y'all should be doing. Make, make, make Fort Lauderdale an Ella's cream town. That's right. That's right. We're doing it in L.A. Uh-huh. right now, baby. Uh, so anyway, I'm excited to... Uh, Show that to her and uh, get her response, and then maybe we can spread the LS Cream wave to the other shores of the United States. Again, go to CreamLS.com. God knows Florida could use a drink. (laughs) (laughs) She could use a drink, too. Um, Go to CreamLS.com slash Sifted. Site's awesome. Check it out. Support your fellow gamer. Support your fellow sifter. And I saw from, in our chat, Best Jeffy said, ah, the porn music commercial. Matt, can you remember any porn in your entire life that had reggae music? No. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? Have you ever watched a porn? <laughs> I'm sure it exists, but I, I never encountered it. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, okay, I don't know what porn you're watching, but... <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, thanks to Alice Cream for being yeah, our I, awesome sponsor. I didn't get that ending with DJ and Street Fighter Six. <laughs> I missed that one. Uh, Okay, it's time to kick off the show. It's time for episode 351 proper. We got some, I think, some (laughs) awesome games to talk about today. We're going to kick things off with a game that we mentioned last week was going to be on the show this week. And we closed by saying, I think you said, Matt, you kind of said everything that you would need to say about a Pikmin game in the Uh week prior when we previewed it. But now that I have played through the entire game, and I have played the entire game, that was wrong. There is tons to talk about. First thing I'm going to say about Pikmin 4 is it's freaking awesome. It is a great game. And the other thing I'm going to say about it is my game clock for that game is at almost 40 hours. It is huge. Like, I, it just kept going and going. And I never got sick of it. I love Pikmin 4. It is Amazing. Like this year for games, I got about like 20 hours into this game and I was like, what the hell is going on? This is the best year for games ever. I really feel like my opinion has come around and we're only in July that already this is the best year ever for video game releases. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have at this point probably seven in my mind, legitimate game of the year contenders. Yeah, I can. I can't think of another year where every, where the the whole year had that many things scattered. I mean, there have been years where like oh, three or four big things happen in October, November all at once. Yeah. But I can't think of something where you're, like you're gonna get to the end of this year and be like, we need ten game of the year nominee slots. It's insane. Or we're gonna feel like we're snubbing. Sl- people. I know. And look, I'm not saying Pikmin Four is a game of the year candidate for me, although it's close. Like I'm pondering that. But I'm just saying when a game this good is struggling to get into the game of the year conversation, that's when you know it's an amazing year. Um, I have had a blast with Pikmin 4. And I think part of it, Matt, is that these games come out in the perfect cadence. Like, this isn't Mario where you know you're getting a 3D Mario every four years. You know, you're getting a Zelda every five or six years. These games come out like every eight to ten years. And I think that's just perfect. Like, 
Well, it, Pikmin 2 was pretty fast. It was pretty quick. But the reason Pikmin 2 was quick was because Pikmin 1 basically had a fatal flaw that turned everybody off. Did you see this week they asked Miyamoto why Pikmin doesn't sell? And he basically said because it's just it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not. This this game, I would actually argue. This game argue, is not very hard. It's not. I would actually argue this game maybe is a little bit too easy. I think the timer is the problem. I mean, yeah. The t- I mean, but it's not the day timer that was the problem in Pikmin 1. It was the, the 30, 30 days. days. Because the first game... Like, you had 30 days before you ran out of oxygen, and you had to leave yeah. the planet in those 30 days. They figured out or very... whatever he breathes. Right, right. And they figured out very quickly that, like, people hated that. And that's why I think Pikmin 2 came so quickly, because they were like, oh, we need to fix that. Because I, I think they felt they had a good idea for a franchise, but it would maybe sold short. And the truth of the matter is, I think that first Pikmin turned a lot of people off to the franchise mm-hmm. for, like, ever. And that's a shame. Because... It certainly would have for me if I hadn't, like had to play the others mm-hmm. you know yeah and like, so i don't blame people who maybe played the first and was like this is too much because i remember playing the first and it was like nerve-wracking yeah like every second mattered and i was like and i did barely i think i made it by for, one for the day. game it is it's very weird that they added like an overarching thing that just made it stressful yeah like um, it doesn't feel like it fits the tone of the rest of the it's game. It's the antithesis of yeah. the tone of the game. Like you want to poke around and look around and see stuff, and yeah. Well, especially because these games, I mean, they're not like you know. I'm not saying they're like cyberpunk or anything, but the Pikmin games have always been quite pretty for the system they're on. You know, yeah, they're pretty, but technically lacking. Yeah, but they're still. It's still fun to look around them, and in the yes. in the first Pikmin, it felt like you couldn't look around. No, you're right. You had to because go it's shit. just a rush. Like, I whereas in this one, I'm sort of like, oh, I'm going to poke over here and look behind this thing. And there's nothing over there, but I'm not, I'm not bothered by that because yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to lose. It's okay. The game if, it's okay if you waste yeah. a day. It doesn't matter. Like, and I can just tell you, having finished it, like. It doesn't matter, like, how many days you take to finish the game. So don't sweat it. Like, if you're playing this game, don't be like, oh, if I need to get an achievement or I need this or that, nothing matters. Like, you can play the game at your own pace, and you can burn a whole day just poking around levels if you want to. In fact, I've done a lot of that playing this game. Um, I'll just be like, I'm just going to take this day. I'm going to map everything. Because the other Mm -hmm. thing that's great about this, too, that's another big change, is the ease of use of the game. The biggest thing, and you probably haven't even got there yet, but eventually you get the ability, you you can gain the ability to just click on the map and they just go there. Mm. That I've, is I've, a revelation. It sounds so simple. I've seen the uh, like the upgrade there, but I can't afford get it. Get it as soon as you can. It changes the entire franchise. Like you just go to the map and you're like, I don't even remember. It's like it realizes an RTS all of a sudden. Yes. Like I don't, it's like I don't even remember how to get back there. It's like I remember I pushed something off mm-hmm. and that made a ramp, and then over here I needed to build this bridge, but I don't quite remember. Just click it and they just go, and then you can just follow. Achi or Ochi, however hell you say his Ochi, name. Yeah. You can just follow him in your Pikmin wherever they go, or you can ride on it and they'll take the whole crew there. So you want, may want to babysit. There's a chance they run into an enemy, but most mm-hmm. of the enemies you can run past them and not lose too many Pikmin yeah, anyway. Even if they, I mean, a couple of times early on they were doing the thing where it's like, we picked up a thing. We're going to take the most direct route back to the, the Beagle. And I'm just like, no. No, you're going past <laughs> a fire breathing monster. It's like, but they, none of, nobody got killed. It was, it was yeah. like, like the, the, the enemies early on are very, very, very forgiving. Yeah, their AI is set to like nothing. I don't yeah. give a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And one, as, of the, one of the big things of this game is like, and it was very difficult for me. Was you you just you got to get past the Nintendo bullshit at the beginning, and that includes this stupid ass cutscene. <laughs> like I'm I I mean I, this is not a really a criticism of Pikmin Four specifically, but I am fucking done <laughs> with the shadow box puppet low budget intro <laughs> the story so far cutscene that leads to the most 
brain meltingly simple like action <laughs> intro sequence that immediately ends and then throws you in a tutorial that lasts four fucking hours while these idiots sit here and spout this like weird dialogue that I know the end of the sentence because they're all telling me how to play this game that, that I already know most mostly how to play just sh pop up a window that tells me the controls but like I can't skip through the dialogue properly because Nintendo never lets you just skip dialogue properly yeah. and then they'll leave the one up that tells you the actual tutorial thing for long enough that four you to read it and then they pop another window up that makes you read that it's the same information and i'm just like oh my god people i need i like i appreciate that it's for everybody and you need like a universal yeah. thing for people that haven't played pikmin before da, da, da. but i need an option that's like i don't need my hand held on this because i owned a copy of blaster master in, 18, in 1988 like just stop nintendo always like i am on, on so the side. tired of being treated like i'm like an idiot yeah. by these nintendo games early on well nintendo airs on the side of his eight-year-old fan yeah, and I appreciate that, but I need a way to skip that well, because right. I had to power through multiple sit, like short play sessions of this game until I stopped feeling like I was just hammering my way through this incredibly remedial crap to get to the actual game, which is great, like you said. Yeah. But like, if I hadn't been doing this show, I never would have gotten to it. Yeah, it's Nintendo needs to do what a lot of developers do, which is at the start of the game ask you do you know what you're doing how experienced are you with <laughs> yeah. this franchise it's not that hard i i agree with you um but i will say this i hope to god everyone does get over that hump yeah that's my only real criticism in the game is yeah. the early part makes it feel like a game for babies and it absolutely is not well going back to your early point earlier point too about the production values let's be honest the production values in in this game aren't great sure like I, this, I do think the, the cinematics are. The, oh, I agree is, with you. This is it's cheap, like it, it's a cheap way to do it. But the in-game visuals, while you're right, when you're standing back, everything looks pretty. But you get up close, and those textures are just nasty. Sure, but and the I Pikmin, it's like if you go I'm back honest, and look at Pikmin really One or Pikmin that. Two, like. The graphics have not improved all that much in this franchise. Yeah, because they're all flat shaded. But the Pikmin are made things. out of like, and I get, I get, you have to. There's a hundred of them on screen at a time, but still, they're made out of like fifty polygons. Like they could do better, is what I'm getting at. Like I can't let it slide for that. I don't need ray traced Pikmin. I don't really. need it to go that far. <laughs> they need to do something. Like it literally looks like the same game that it has looked like since the beginning well, the, the good news is most people that play this game i don't think have ever played the other games so that they won't be. notice that could be because um, they were gamecube games i don't yeah you know, it's not any kind of technical tour de force but i think it does look nice enough and i think it's very appealing yeah like I, i'm not going to say it's a technical marvel but i do think it looks very appealing yeah and that's kind of more important yeah oh i agree i mean the quick synopsis of the i mean look at those ground textures I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a switch, man. <laughs> yeah, what are you do? Yeah. Like, Just a quick uh, but reminder. But the dog looks great. Like the, the, the root thing looks great. Like the parts that your your eye is drawn to for gameplay reasons, they, that's not great. Uh, <laughs> that's a camera thing. Um, and and the also, camera this, in this does this have is some issues like, here the first like 3D movement game I've played in forever that I suddenly realized like, oh, I can't invert the Y axis because there is no Y axis. Right. <laughs> like it's, that's funny. Uh, just a quick reminder. Also, I knew this game was going to be really long when how fast you were rescuing these guys. Oh. Like, I'm like, oh, that, that screen's filling up real fast. This game's got some meat to it. Well, it's the, so, again, I'll go over the plot very quickly. Basically, Olimar was out adventuring. He has a shipwreck, and you find out later what happens to him. They send a team of people to try to rescue him. They shipwreck, and then they send you with the dog, Ochi, to rescue Olimar. And the whole crew that went looking for him. But as it turns out, 
it's not just Olimar and the crew that went looking for him. There have been tons of other people who have crash landed on this planet, and your job is to save them all. Yeah, these these idiots are really bad. For for a what the captain's been like the 99th generation of right. captains in yeah. her family or something. I'm like, wouldn't you people be better at this? By yeah, now? you would think. And so. Also, they're really bad at identifying things as other life forms for a weird reason. It's like, like, what could this be? I'm just like, I don't know. It looks like a giant monster, idiot. Like, what are Um, and then so when the the people who went looking for Olimar are important because when you rescue them, it opens up new options for you. So mm. after every mission, you go back to this area that you were just seeing a second ago where there's the ship there and all of your compatriots. As you rescue people, that area becomes propagated with the people that you rescue. Now, the crew that went looking for Olimar, they're a big deal. They give you like one of them, lets you upgrade Ochi. The other one runs a lab that gives you all these gadgets that will pass power up your character um and then there's others that give you side mission objectives like turn x number of pikmin into flowers meaning you know give them enough of the juice that levels them up and turn them into flowers every character that you rescue they end up becoming npcs that then give you side missions and some of them are frivolous like you'll just sometimes you'll rescue somebody and the first time you talk to them, you already have solved like three of their side missions because you've just been playing the game meticulously and doing all the stuff that you need to be doing playing the game. But it does mean that every time you come back to this area with the ship and all your compatriots, that there's something to do. So that's the rhythm of the game. You go out, you complete missions, you come back to this area with the ship where you talk to all your shipmates and you're rescuing people. That area fills up with people and they give you more stuff to help you aid in, in your ultimately in your quest. That's kind of the game, the gameplay loop in Pikmin 4. But there's a lot of tweaks and changes that have changed from the last several entries in the franchise. Um, So as we said, the 30-day time limit is gone, but there are still daily time limits. So you only have so much time in the day, and once it gets down to, like, the last quote-unquote hour or whatever, like, you get, like, an, an alert. And that basically tells you, like, now's the time to dive down into one of the dungeons. And there are grates located around each level that you discover and you jump down into them and you go down to these underground dungeons basically and matt i would i don't know how many of you of them you've played i would argue that's the best part of the game Uh because they are these controlled curated designed challenges out on the open world above ground like you can just kind of meander and go at your own pace and truth be told even the underground dungeons like I think the time is like one-sixth of the time. But the thing is, you can stay down there as long as you want. Worst case scenario, you come up, and as soon as you come up, the countdown timer starts ticking with eight seconds to go before the day is over. As long as you have all your Pikmin corralled, you're fine. So the trick is, wait until the end of the day, then go down into the dungeon, and you can spend as long as you want down there. And those levels are the best. It's also consequently where you rescue almost everybody. Almost all the rescues are down in the dungeons. Almost all of the items that you collect are down in the dungeons. I would argue 75% of them are down in the dungeons. That's where you really make hay, is when you go down below. And those were also, to me, some of the most fun dungeon types. Now, there are boss fights in this where you just fight gigantic creatures. But the real taking on the real antagonist of the game are all handled down in the dungeons. And they are these... And I always forget the stupid word for this, Dondari, yeah, Dandori levels, where you compete 
against this other guy. So both of you and your Pikmin are on the same battlefield and there's a timer. And the objective is to accumulate more points by collecting more stuff before the other guy does. And those head-to-head -head challenges are amazing because you start getting mixed up with the enemies, Pikmin, and there are times where you get in tug-of-wars over items. So they'll be taking an item back to their base to capture it if you throw enough pikmin on that it turns into a tug of war where you can literally rip it away from the other team's pikmin and take it back to your base and then as you start playing it more power start becoming available there's a big bomb that you can pick up that you can deliver to the other team's base that blows all of the items out of their onion and they have to go and try to collect them all again if you do that with the timing right you can easily flip a match at the last minute to me, the best parts of the game are down below. Now, visually, above ground is better, for sure. But as far as just the core play of Pikmin and what it's like to manage your assets as far as what Pikmin you have and then play through finely tuned levels, all that stuff happens underground. And I don't, again, I don't know how far you've got at this point where you've kind of figured that out, but... I don't know, like 10-ish days? Yeah. Yeah, you probably should have seen that by now. Have you I'm, gone underground I'm, a good oh, bit? I've been underground a few times, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seemed to me that that's the point of the game. It's like working your way to the next underground thing. It kind of is. Yeah, which is, to me, is way different. Now, Pikmin 3 did have the underground areas, but they were kind of a discrete thing that didn't require that you played it that much. Here, you have to play them. Like, you'll never get enough items or the Sparkium or whatever the hell the, the, uh, the resource is that you need to keep making progress. You'll never get enough if you just stay above ground. Um, and you have to go down to fight the bosses. And if you don't do that, you'll never move the story forward. So you definitely have to. Whereas in prior games, it wasn't as big a deal. There are six total areas in the game. The crazy part about it is you finish the fourth area and the credits roll. Hmm. And you think the game is over. And I'm not going to spoil things, obviously. But something happens then that causes you to go back. And then there's two more areas that you play before the game actually ends. So when I... Finished the first four, and the credits rolled. My playtime was like 28 hours or whatever. I still had two more worlds to play. So this game is big. It's no joke. This isn't like... I think the first Pikmin, I finished it in like 11 hours or something like that. Maybe not even that long. I can't quite remember. But I just remember it being pretty relatively I mean, that's short. that's about how long you had to finish it if you wanted to make right, it into the Right, if you timer. want to make it in time. Yeah. Um, the biggest change overall, and I think as I played this more, the more I realized it, the biggest change for Pikmin 4 overall is Ochi, the dog. It changes everything. It, it becomes the dog, and you can level it up over time as you earn this currency. And then again, after, you go to, after the mission's over, you go back to the area with the ship where all your teammates are, and you can level up Ochi. And you can give him things like collars that will protect him from different elemental stuff like fire or electricity or whatever. You can give him bones that will increase his maximum health. But what's most important, at least I found, is his charge. He has a charge attack where if you have the Pikmin on his back, he charges the enemy and delivers a huge, like, devastating XP-depleting attack. But as soon as he does that, all the Pikmin fly off of his back onto the enemy, and they just destroy it. So I really walked through this game with that attack. And I just kept leveling it up every chance I had. And I just one-hit even the biggest creatures in the game eventually, even if I'm not using the right Pikmin. So sometimes it'll be like an enemy that's on fire. And you're like, oh, I need to use fire Pikmin. I could use water Pikmin with this attack and just wipe out the enemies. And that this is my biggest criticism of the game is that it's just too easy. Mm. It does get a little challenging towards the end, but 
For the most part, like the combat in this, it was just way too simple. Like once I learned Ochi's charge attack, it was game over. I literally walked through the whole game. And again, making sure that every time, because you get his charge attack and you can level that up, I think four times. And then they give you like the mega charge attack and you can level that up four times. And as long as you keep leveling those up, you're always OP. You can destroy every enemy in the game, no problem. So to me, there are some balancing issues with the difficulty in this game, at least a little bit. Um, but as I said, there are six different areas. They're big, but no bigger really than prior Pikmin games. I mean, they didn't seem bigger to me. Did they to you, Matt? Not really, but I admit I don't remember the other Pikmin very yeah. well. It's been a while. Yep. Um, but Ochi, not only is he a combat demon, he also is a traversal demon. Like, he can swim through water. So now you can load up all the Pikmin on his back, and they can swim through water, even if they're not blue Pikmin. Previously, only blue and ice Pikmin could go through water. Now you can just... Hitch a ride on Ochi, and you can get your Pikmin across bodies of water, no problem. And in fact, because of that, the water in this is used way more than it was in prior games. There's so much more of like, here's a sink full of water, pull on the plug and drain it. Now it's drained. Now you can send your Pikmin down in there to fight all the enemies and clean out the enemies. There's a lot more water play in general in this game because of Ochi. Um, and Ochi... He's pretty smart. You can play on his back. You can play separately. You can command him still, even when you're not on his back, to do a bunch of stuff. He can dig up treasures. He can sniff out treasures. He can sniff out crew members that you're trying to find. He can bite. He can attack. Um, it's a huge change to the game. Is He's much more than just a little sidekick, a cute sidekick. that, And it is adorable when every day starts and you come out of the spaceship and Ochi comes bounding up to you and like runs circles around... It put a smile on my face every time. Even after 30 hours, seeing that little dog come bounding after me when I get out of the ship every morning and do a couple laps around me and bark, it is like the cutest thing ever. Almost made me want to buy a dog. Almost. Um, but anyway, as I said, like you can upgrade Ochi. You can also upgrade yourself. Um, let's see... Towards the end of the game, so we talked about the new Pikmin type. There are nine Pikmin types in this. It has all of them that were ever created, but it also has brand new Pikmin called Glow Pikmin that you can use at night. Now, it wasn't how I expected when I heard that. I thought that like the sun would set on the levels and then you could just deploy your Glow Pikmin and go out and battle still at night. That's not how it works. Back in the hub area, one of the guys that you rescue eventually offers you night missions. So you have to go and speak with him specifically, and then he'll give you night missions. And the night missions are the closest this game comes to being a typical RTS. They're basically tower defense missions where you have a nest where the glow Pikmin live, and you need to defend it as waves of enemies come in. And this is also one area where eventually they'll give you two nests to defend and you can assign Ochi to defend one of the nests and he's damn good at it too I would add and then you defend the other one so there and then you have to watch the different pathways that the enemies are coming in and how that works is is it gives you the resource that the glow pikmin produce and then that is what they use to create a cure for this affliction that a lot of people are getting a lot of the crew members when you find them they're like covered in leaves like leaves have grown out of their skin or whatever and so you need the resources from the Glow Pikmin to reverse the effects of that and turn them back into their crew member selves. And once you do that... Very Last of Us. Uh, it is a little bit, yeah. It's also absurd that someone could look like that and then just take a drug and that all this stuff goes away. But whatever. Um, so that's how the night missions come into play. And that's how like the Glow Pikmin actually work in the context of the game. It was completely different from how I thought. 
Um, so I mentioned earlier that there's a game that I played this week that had a design like Zelda. This is it. Pikmin 4 is designed like traditional Zelda games. You get a new Pikmin, that next stage, you are forced to use that Pikmin and learn and master that Pikmin. Next, next time you find another Pikmin, same deal. The next couple levels are focused on that particular Pikmin type. You need to learn how to use them, learn the nuances of it. And then you get to the end of the game and you're using all of the Pikmin in concert, all nine of them. Now, one thing I like about this game too is before you start each mission, it recommends you what Pikmin to use. Follow it. It Follow it. Make sure that whatever Pikmin they recommend, you have at least some of each one of those. Now, you can only take three Pikmin types out in the field at a time, and it usually does recommend three. So it does take a little bit of the freedom away to choose the Pikmin on your own. Um, but you, well, you can try, but it's much easier if you just listen to the recommendations. Because they'll say, like, they'll always say, like, two of the primary ones, like, blue and red, and then rock. Or blue and red, and then flying Pikmin. Or blue and red, and the white Pikmin who can... Who can withstand poison and that's because in that level there is going to be poison or there is going to be barriers that only the rock pikmin can break so make sure you pay attention to that stuff before each mission it makes a big difference it could keep you from having to replay missions over and over again um, but i love the design of this game it totally like builds your skills with each of the pikmin and then ultimately it brings them all together into the last couple levels of the game where you're using them all and by then you've mastered them because the game has taught you how to use them that's the zelda design that i love and the zelda design that i miss in games like breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom um so it's nice to kind of have that and then as another and again, I say this game is too easy. It's also too easy because you can always rewind time. Have you discovered that yet? No. So if you ever let a Pikmin die, and eventually they will die, at the end of the mission, they'll tell you, 17 Pikmin died. Do you want to rewind time and try again, or you just want to move on? So you can do it there. Um, you can choose whether to rewind time there. But also when you're down in the dungeons, like where I am right now in this B-roll, when you're down in the dungeon, like every time that you lose a Pikmin... Or, or you die, it will just ask you to rewind time. So you don't have to actually like go back up to the surface and then find your way back to the grade and go back down. It will intelligently let you rewind time. It'll say, do you want to rewind time for five minutes when you had 80 Pikmin left? Or do you want to rewind time all the way to the beginning of this dungeon when you had all your Pikmin left? So it's pretty smart about giving you the option and there's no punishment for doing that. So if you want to rewind time, you can do it. It doesn't hurt your scores or anything like that. It's there to make the game a little easier to play. And it's just something else that, in my opinion, makes the game a little bit too easy. Um, but you haven't got to the part yet where you probably haven't even had many Pikmin die, would be my guess. No, nobody's really died yeah. yet. Yeah. Eventually um, they will, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, as I also said, one of the other best new features is the ability to click on the map and just send your people there. It's a godsend. It's something that's so simple, but it makes a huge, huge difference ultimately in the game. Um, and I guess what I would say overall, I did talk about the low production values already. Like I, I feel like the game could look better, and it does, to me it doesn't look all that much better than Pikmin 3, unfortunately. But that's also the, the byproduct of the fact that Nintendo hasn't released more powerful hardware. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we're still kind of playing on GameCube hardware at this point. Like, you had the Wii, which was backwards compatible with the GameCube, and then the Wii U, which was slightly more powerful than the Wii, and it's just kind of stuck in stuck in that area at this point. This is probably all we can get. I mean, this is 2012 handheld NVIDIA Shield tech. Yeah, it's, it is. Yep. And that's what you're going to get. Is. Yep. Um, 
And I guess the one thing I would say that this game is still just amazingly good at, Matt, this franchise in general, is making you care about the Pikmin. They're so disposable and so easy to replace in this game as well. It's very easy, at least for the red, blue, and yellow Pikmin, to make more. Like, you could lose 20 or 30 Pikmin in a battle. It's not a big deal. You can go back and you can remake them in like 10 minutes or whatever. Despite all that, I still feel awful when they die. It's, uh, there's something about seeing all those ghosts float up in here and the ah, it, it just strikes me in the heart and then the worst part Matt and this was it's been in this franchise since the very first one is if you leave the planet and you don't have all your Pikmin with you and you leave them behind there's still that cutscene that plays that shows the Pikmin getting eaten by the creatures that you and you left and they that their eyes they look at you like don't leave me and then they the, it just crushes me I don't know what it is about this franchise that I care so much about these little freaking ants. It's just over the course of the game, like the looks that they give you, like you know, they only exist because you made them. Yes, they, I mean, there's just something you made them to die. Yeah, you did. Like it is a really twisted franchise, and I found that playing on my emotions like the whole time I was playing this game. Like some you you're protective of because it's just hard to get more like the flying pikmin or the purple pikmin like if they die you're just like damn man i actually don't know how to make more of those so you're very protective of those but even the red blue and the yellows like crush me when they die or when i leave them behind like there were times where i was like maybe i should rewind and save those three pikmin <laughs> which is absurd but it just shows you for, at least for me personally the uh the emotional impact that those critters dying actually has on me. And then, you know, just the nostalgia, like there are just hundreds and hundreds of objects that you need to dig up and carry back to your base to absorb and, and basically save. But it's always the Nintendo stuff that's the coolest. The handhelds, the cartridges, the controllers, all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed the hell out of it. You, How much have you played now, Matt? I don't know, like 10-ish days in there somewhere. Do you feel like you want to keep playing? Somewhat. I mean, I'm not going to once Baldur's Gate comes out. Yeah. Like, I know that. Like, this is this is not in competition for my game of the year. Yeah. At all. Um, but it is good. Like, like it's it's fun uh, once you get past the overly handheld-holy tutorial section. Yeah. And that is a criticism um, a lot of people have of Nintendo games in it, general. It has that one more day thing that Dave the Diver has. It has that introducing new elements thing that Dave the Diver has. Like, it's a good... Uh, example of, of a lot of that um and i think if someone's been waiting i think it's a pretty good first pikmin game for someone but it's also a good game if you've been waiting for pikmin since three like i don't think you'll be disappointed either yeah um there's not a lot of downsides other than how slow and re like remedial it starts mm -hmm. um if you can get through that opening, and you can you'll check that out for free, by the way, you can just download the free demo on the eShop. Yeah, and if you struggle to get over. through, and that's two hours. If you struggle to get through the first couple hours of the game, then you probably will know it's not for you at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but man, I. But also, if you can get through that, it may still be for you. Just don't, you know, it's it stops eventually. It like does, the yeah. constant badgering stops. Eventually. Well, also remember that last week's show we said. Like, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about after we played the first two hours, and there was tons. So maybe my statement isn't accurate. Like, saying that playing the demo will tell you whether you should play the rest of the game, it actually probably doesn't. 
um, because there is so much new stuff that does come online. Um, and even Ochi, you experience him in those first two hours, but you don't experience him in his heyday when he becomes this machine. And he's like cute. And he's like just destroying like all these. It's awesome. Um, so I thought that was a really great addition, although it seems awkward at times. And in fact, there were moments playing this where it felt a little bit like Banjo-Kazooie when like you could turn into Kazooie and he would like walk around with like the bear on his back and they would reverse rolls and have these mm-hmm. skinny little legs like walking, but then like he was really top heavy. That's what it feels like when you're on Ochi. Like he's like at these little dinky legs and then like this almost like a mushroom shape with all this stuff on top. I think last, the two weeks ago I talked about how it was like a spider, how they have like their baby spiders on their mm-hmm. back. It's a little bit creepy, but I had a blast with this game. I was sad when it ended, um, to be honest with you. I had a great time with it. Um, it is a full price game. I think it's totally worth that full price. Also, there is Dandori matches that you can play head to head. As I said, like the boss fights in the campaign or the Dandori stuff, they're fun. Like playing against other people is fun. Um, and so that's added incentive to play if you want to after you finish the campaign. But I mean, I'm almost at 40 hours with this game. I think just that alone is well worth the price tag for Pikmin 4. So I really loved it. I was caught off guard by how much I enjoyed this game. I got totally addicted to it. And it also is one of those games where it's just like, one more day. Mm-hmm. I can play one more day. Like, I found myself at night at like 2.30 in the morning. Should I stop? One more day. I'll play one more day. It's one of those games because each day lasts probably, what, 10, 15 minutes? Something like that. I mean, it depends if you go underground or right, not. But right, right. Yeah. But generally, like, you spend about 10 or 15 minutes on each yeah. day. No, it's got a good, like, the length of time is a decent. Like, I want to do this one thing, and then if you accomplish that one thing, you can putter around and do random other things until it's time to bring everyone home. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was in a rush to get back to the base. There was always other stuff to do or stuff that I wanted to do or... I want to push this thing off to open up a shortcut so when I come back for the next day, I can mm. easily go up this ramp and, like, get to this part of the level yeah. again. Well, it's nice when you get to the part where you can really do that. Mm-hmm. Like, when the early on, like, yeah, I do like to poke around on things. And I think when you find the first, un, not the first one, you find the ship, but when you find the first proper dungeon where mm-hmm. they're going to teach you how the dungeons yep. work. Like, I kind of come over, and I look, you know, there's a thing over there. There's some sparklies over there. There's something. I go over there, and one of the characters pops up and goes, you're getting pretty far away from the beagle. And I just said, fuck you. <laughs> I, I'm, I just, oh, my God. I was so annoyed by every yeah. single character in this game for the first, like, two and a half hours. I just, yeah. oh, like. The, you, know what, you know what's so great about the Pikmin? They don't fucking talk. Yeah, well, they do. <laughs> yeah. But like, they don't make me read text. Oh, the other thing I should mention, actually, and I'm glad I remembered to bring this up, is the rumble, the force feedback in the Switch Pro controller is awesome. Like, oh, pay attention to it. And when the Pikmin jump back on Ochi, you can feel their little feet in the control going tick, 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 like adding themselves to Ochi. Like I, I played so, probably 20 hours of the game and didn't even realize it was happening. I'm so conditioned to ignore. All oh, really? Level. Like I don't, th- I would never have ever noticed. It's, that. it's almost creepy how realistic it feels like these little dudes jumping onto the controller that you're holding. Like it's crazy. So, um, I loved it. I thought Pikmin 4 was great. I think it's another one of the great games from 2023. I really hope some of you, like to Matt's point, a lot of y'all are getting ready for Baldur's Gate 3 because it is a monster. Um, if you can slide this in somewhere before you get on Baldur's Gate here in like a week, week and a half, um, I highly recommend it. Because the other thing too is that like once August gets here, it'll be hard to find time to play a game like Pikmin 4. It just will mm-hmm. be. 
Um, and some people are still playing Zelda, or they're still playing Diablo 4, two gigantic games as well. Um, so I do wonder if this game will get lost in the shuffle. As Miyamoto explained, it's never been a big seller, um, which is probably why they release one every eight or ten years instead mm-hmm. of every other year. Uh, and, you know, we had rumors that this game was done for years before they decided to release it. So they would get a little bit more strategic with we'll the Explain Pikmin the ground franchise. texture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyway, One thing I did think was interesting that you no longer can control the Pikmin with the, with the stick. That's a little annoying. That's the mm-hmm. other thing I should have mentioned, too. Is that there That's are... how I used to always make them drink nectar. Was right. you, if you pass the group over the nectar, the ones that need to be upgraded will stay and drink the nectar. You can still do that. So jump mm-hmm. off of Ochi, you hit the Y button, and dismount. And if you run the Pikmin over that stuff, they will eat it. But it's, right. it, you can't. But it's not if it's against a wall or in a corner. It's hard to. It is. Angle you can't use that. the right stick anymore to control the herd. Mm-hmm. So it used to be you could pull back and they would get in like an elongated line, and that would help you go across bridges with them. Or you could push forward and they would be in a group, and that was good if you wanted to attack. Vincent, an enemy. I think it's pretty obvious that I don't remember Pikmin three very well. So you can stop reminding me of that. <laughs> Yeah, um, Pikmin Three was a Wii U game, and I really don't remember much about the Wii U games. Yeah, uh, a lot of people didn't play Pikmin Three because it was I a own, Wii U game. I own Pikmin Three, but I don't remember playing it. Yeah. I know I did, but I don't know. Yep. Um, and now I lost my train of thought of what I was talking about. So they all blend together. Thanks, thanks Vincent. <laughs> they all blend together, really. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the controls with the right stick. Yeah. So you can push it forward; they would go up. So you can dismount. And they will run in a line, but the right stick doesn't do what it used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, too, is that like the game will force you to dismount at times. There are gates that are just like steel grates that come up, but there's gaps in between. So Ochi can't go, so mm-hmm. you have to dismount. And then it's OG Pikmin. And I like that they force you to do it. It makes you... Because Ochi is a huge security blanket, man, in so many ways. And when you realize, oh, crap, I have to leave the pup behind and take on this section of the game without him, you feel naked. It's really crazy how quickly you come to rely on him as an integral part of the gameplay. Um, But there are parts where Nintendo is like, you know what? We're making you go old school, and you're gonna be you're gonna go through this gauntlet. And a lot of times, they'll throw a big boss in there too that you have to fight without Ochi. It doesn't happen all that often, but there are parts of the game, so you still get that taste of nostalgic Pikmin if you're into it. So, I think it's about as good as a Pikmin game can be. Other than the production values, I think they can be improved a lot, and maybe they will be for the next one. But otherwise, like with what the franchise is, like it's easily the best one by a mile. Mm-hmm. It's the best Pikmin ever, like not even close. Um, and I do think it portends to a, a brighter certainly future. the one that has its own identity the yeah. most. Yeah, because it, it, to your, your point earlier, they all bleed, the first three bleed together. Yeah. Like, I can't remember everything about Pikmin 3 either. Like, I remember that there were the dungeon areas, but I don't remember 100% how they were integrated. Like, I don't remember how often. I don't even I, remember that. They were there. Like, but Because I remember dungeons, but I don't remember Pikmin 3, but I do remember Pikmin 2, so they must have been in that too. Mm-hmm. It's hard to remember, like, which version had, like, all this different stuff. It just is. So, I don't blame I don't even remember what the Wii U functionality was. Like, what the, whatever, whatever gimmicks they used the pad for, for that. I don't remember either. So, I didn't play it that way. Yeah, I don't (laughs) So, anyway, there you go. That's Pikmin 4. I say go buy it. Um, I loved it. I had a blast with it. Um, I would still like to challenge some of you all in the Dandori matches. It's fun. It's unlike, the other thing I would say, too, is it's unlike anything else. Still, after all this time, there's no game like it. Even like when I was talking about the parts of the game that were most like an RTS where you're defending the glow Pikmin hives, even that is like, it's kind of like an RTS, but it's really not because it's still active. 
collective. Like you're mm-hmm. still controlling like the actual the actual team members that are yeah, fighting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like the like one of my issues with the with the previous Pikmin's was like when it got RTSy. There were things where I'm like, if this actually worked like an RTS, I wouldn't have lost as many yeah, Pikmin, yeah. or I would have oh, won the, that faster. Like, well, the other thing too is a Pikmin, their level matters. So when they start, they just yeah. ha- they just don't they just have a leaf, and then the first level up they have the bud, and then the next level up they have the flower, and that not only does that affect how well they can dig, how well they can attack, it also affects their AI. So if you'll notice, the Pikmin that end up being stragglers that get lost, they're always the dudes with just the leaf. Yeah. Well, they're also slower. Yeah, they're slower, they too. You'll see them trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. There's so many cute moments in this game. Like, you're right. Some of the Pikmin, like, you'll have a whole crew of, like, flowered Pikmin on the back of Ochi. And you, like, run along, and you hear, beep, 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 beep. And you're like, what the hell is that? You'll stop running, and a couple Pikmin will come running up and, like, jump on its back. It's just loaded with cute little stuff like that. So... I love Pikmin 4. To me, it's easily the best in the franchise. If you ever liked any of the Pikmins before, I highly recommend buying it. I do understand right now it's tough because there's so many great games coming out. It might be one that you might want to hold for your Christmas list and get it later on in the year if you don't have time to play it now. But I really, really love Pikmin 4. Next up, we're going to talk about a sensation that has been sweeping the nation, or at least the Steam Nation, and that is a game called Battle Bit Remastered. It is, I'm just going to get the B-roll going right away here. It is Battlefield, and it has everything from the Battlefield franchise in it. But the graphics are like N64 Dreamcast levels. <laughs> Intentionally. They're like blocky. They almost look like Lego, honestly, at times. And I wouldn't be surprised if this actually inspires like whoever the lego license to pay some developer to make some crazy shooter for lego um but it is like this chibi take and it's funny you look at these menus you have no idea they have like normal realistic looking guns because it does it has everything that a battlefield would have including realistic guns realistic vehicles all that kind of stuff that you can tweak and you can attach like 10 attachments to each gun it's just like call of duty is just like Battlefield, except the graphics are cute. And this game was made by three people. Three people, Matt. It now it took them seven years, <laughs> but three people made this game. And my uh, the first thing I will say about should have called it Minefield. <laughs> actually, because it is a little bit like Minecraft for yeah. sure. You can tell they're 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 like, well, we're gonna make it as close to Minecraft as we can without getting sued, basically. I also wouldn't be surprised if there's eventually a Minecraft spin-off that's like this, because they're spinning that off in all kinds of different directions too. Um But what this really shows to me is just how inept the battlefield team has been. I mean, three guys made this game in seven years. I mean, it takes the battlefield team four or five years to make a game. They don't come out every year. They once upon a time they did, or at least every other year, not anymore. And somehow these three dudes have managed to make this game that is feature complete with battlefield games. These three dudes aren't subject to EA leadership. So, I mean, it's mind boggling, Matt, that three guys could make this game in battlefield 2042. Although I will, I will give EA and dice credit. They have stuck with that game because it was abysmal at launch. Mm -hmm. And, much like CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk 2077, EA has stuck with Battlefield 2042. Don't put a future year on your game title, apparently, is the yeah, lesson Yeah, because it may take that long before it's actually good. <laughs> at, least for, at least with the Battlefield franchise. Um, 
So to see three guys create a game that's feature complete with Battlefield 2042, which my guess, 300 guys for five years? At least. I mean, that just shows you that how much resources you have to commit to graphics. Oh, yeah. It really is crazy. Yeah. Like, if you want a game that looks top shelf, that's your, that's your expense. Yeah. Making it look that good. It's not the nuts they and bolts. They don't call it the HD era for nothing. Right. It's crazy. That's what's blown up all the, 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 the development costs and time, for the most part, is yeah. the assets have to be on a level that just didn't exist before. Yeah. So the, the one thing I like about this the best, Matt, is that it reminds me the most of Battlefield Bad Company 2. Mm. which is like my favorite battlefield of all time because it was all mm. about destructible environments. I would say overall that's probably the best one. It probably is. I, I think mean, most people agree with that. I mean, the best one is the Wake Island demo. Right. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> the was, OG. I played the Wake Island demo probably more than I played all the other battlefields combined. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the total package, I think Bad Company 2 is a fair pick for best game of the franchise. Yeah. The destruction in this is amazing. Like, in Bad Company 2, it was like, you'd run a tank into a building, and, like, the corner of the building would crumble. In this game, you can fly planes and drive tanks and other vehicles and, and just completely take out a mm. building. Well, that was one of the best things about Battle Bad Company 2 was, like, I remember, like, you'd, you'd get in fights in, like, some new area, and then after everything was over, you'd kind of look around and be like, holy shit, there's nothing here. Nothing like, left standing. It was, it was just a, it was a flat plane now. Yep. Now, I will say. You didn't even notice it happening. Yeah. You can, like, you can, and the other thing, too, everyone's on voice chat in this game. You can hear people communicating. Come over here. In this building, there's eight enemies. And the, in comes somebody in a chopper and, or a big truck and just drives right into it and kills half of them. Like, it's a tactic that you use in the game to be successful at the game. Mm. This game, Matt, is 127 versus 127. 254 players per match. Hard to do that in 4K. I mean, that's probably why the graphics look the way they do. Yeah, <laughs> and to be fair, trade-off. And to be fair, much of this game is cut, copy, and paste. Mm-hmm. Like, even... So there's, like, 19 maps, which but it, is amazing. It reminds me of that thing that they used to say, that Miyamoto used to say, that, like, if the game isn't fun to play when it's squares and blocks, it's not going to be fun to play when it looks perfect. That's true. Yep. So 127, 127. No matter where you are in the map, and there's 19 of them, which is insane, but no matter where you are, there's other players. Like, a lot of times you play Battlefield, and you spawn at some outpost, and nobody ever shows up there until the enemy shows up in a tank to, like, take it over or whatever. No matter where you spawn on the map in this game, there's, like, 10 people running past you because there's 127 people on your team. It's crazy that they've done all this. Three dudes have done all this. Um, but So it is 127 versus 127, but you can choose to play 64 on 64 or smaller team-based maps. And the great thing about it is you can either go and look at a screen that shows you all the available servers, or you can let it match make for you. The cool thing about the matchmaking that it does for you is it will tell you, hey, we found a 127 match, but the ping is like 105. Do you want to play still? No, I don't want to play with 105 ping. And then it'll start trying to find another match. Like it's very fast, it's very smart, um, and it's very intuitive how to find matches, and it's very quick, which is a key, as I've said many times, to Call of Duty, is how quick people get in and out of matches in Call of Duty. That happens very... If you stay on the server, it's very fast. Even if you're searching um, or just clicking on a server from the server list, it also is very fast to launch into games, which is a huge, huge deal for any multiplayer shooter. 
Um, as I said, it has all the features of traditional battlefield games. It has squads, as, you're, as you've seen. It has vehicles. Um, it has boats, as you're seeing right here. It has amphibious machines, as you're seeing right here. This is one that'll go on land and sea. It has several different types of helicopters. I haven't seen jets yet. I will say that. I don't know if I just didn't play the right map that had jets, but playing it, and I played a good bit of it, playing it, I did not see any jets. I don't know if the game has them or not. I probably should have researched that before I came to talk about it. But the squads work the same way as Battlefield. You have a squad leader, and you can spawn on your squad leader, whether your leader is in a vehicle or whether they're just on the ground as infantry. It gets you back into the action really quickly if you want to. And you can jump around on squads if you want to and choose a different squad if your squad sucks. Um... There are no jets and no plans to add them. Okay, there you go. Um, let's see, there's six different classes. There's Assault, Medic, Recon, Support, Engineer, and Squad Leader. Um, as I said, you can spawn in your squad if you want to, or you can just choose a random, a random spawn point if you want to, based upon the ebb and flow of combat. You can go to the same exact Battlefield map screen that shows every player on the map, showing you whether the enemy's rushing to a certain control point. Conquest is the big mode here. You have a bunch of different areas that you need to capture and then defend and as you defend them you earn tickets and then once the, the first team to reach a certain number of tickets wins the match there's also some other modes that are very battlefield like however there is not a team deathmatch mode yet in the game um, this is still an early access by the way the game costs 15 bucks um, and so they still have a lot of stuff to add yet but it's amazing what's in the game already um every class gets a unique class kit item like recon gets like this fake scope glare which is just brilliant like that's so annoying when you have a scope in shooters now like the enemy can always see a glint off of your scope well now you can fool them by using a fake glint which i thought was really creative each of the classes has one one uh, ability like that that's unique from the other ones as i said there's 19 different maps which is just crazy by any standard that's crazy that there are 19 maps these maps are gigantic and I, it's, again, there is a lot of copy and paste going on. Even map to map, the buildings are the same. They'll be colored different to match like the tiles on that map. But the actual layout of the building is the same. So there is a little bit of cheating going on there. But still, 19 maps is crazy. Um, you can run. You can sprint. You can crouch. You can go completely prone. You can heal or be healed. You can also self-heal with bandages that you get. I will say that the healing, I feel like, is way too slow. It takes forever for somebody to heal you. Almost every time someone tried to heal me, they ended up dead. Every time I tried to heal somebody, I ended up dead, and they would run away. And then I would get shot, and they wouldn't come back and revive me. I'm like, you bastard. But that's multiplayer video games in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, also some, uh, some uh, smaller stuff you can do. You can drag enemies. So if like somebody's down and they're waiting for someone to revive them or heal them, you can run out and grab them and drag them back to safety before you try to heal them. So they do try, do try to offset the slow re uh, reviving in some ways, but it ultimately they don't work that well. The other thing too is that like you just die in this game over and over again. In that way, it's very much like Battlefield. Like if you spawn somewhere and there's no vehicle, you're just running for like two miles. And I'll say this too, the sprint in this is way unrealistic. It's way, you can see, it's way faster than a human can ever run. And that's because sometimes you do end up spawning at an outpost that's way far away from the action and you have to run like two miles. And what happens is you run two miles and a sniper shoots you. And then you spawn somewhere else and you run 50 feet and a sniper shoots you. It is just brutal, this game. Like, 
I did not do well. Even in, even the last like few hours that I played, I still hadn't got that good at it. I was still just getting housed by these people because a lot of people playing this game have been playing it for a long, long time now. And this is also like Battlefield. Like you start out, it's a slog to upgrade your weapon, so you are behind the eight ball when you first start playing this. So one thing I would say too is if you decide to dive into this, be patient. You're gonna get your ass whooped your first like five or six matches. There's just no way around it. And you do start to get better. You start to learn where the vehicles are. And the vehicles provide you a little bit more protection to get you more involved in the fights and stuff like that. But it's really, really rough in the early going. So I would just say stick with it. It does get a little bit easier as you learn all the nuances of the game. Uh, the vehicle controls, I thought, were intuitive and were pretty good. I saw somebody, some other people were complaining about them. I really didn't have much of a problem with them. However, I did have problems just with the controls in general. So... Right now, the game only officially supports a mouse and keyboard. And I'll be honest, Matt, I haven't played a shooter seriously with a mouse and keyboard for a long time because now every, every game you can play with a controller. <laughs> yeah, they left me, dude. How, and this guy leaves me too. I run over to this chopper and he takes off right before I can get there. So anyway, um, I, was, I tried. There is a workaround to use a controller, basically. And I went through all the rigmarole of going into Steam and setting up the controller profile and all this stuff. And then I go to use it and it like doesn't work. Like basically the the aim down sights button doubles as the sprint button. <laughs> it just, it wouldn't work. So I ended up having to play this game with a mouse and keyboard. And I also found too that like trying to remap the controls to the mouse and keyboard, it wouldn't stick. Like, what I would set it up as, would when I go to play the game, it would not change. So I don't know if there's bugs there or what. I mean, bottom line is, I never was comfortable playing this game. Like, the controller controls were all jacked up. Mouse and keyboard feel foreign to me now because I haven't played a shooter seriously with them for a really long time. Um, and so I did feel a little bit like a fish out of water playing this game for quite a while before I started to come around a little bit with the mouse and keyboard again. Uh, just something to keep in mind. They say they're working on adding controller support, but they said that like months and months ago and it still hasn't shown up. So just keep that in mind. Uh, another issue that I had is that like, if you're flying in a chopper, there's no way to get out of the chopper. You don't have a parachute. Hmm. So the only way you can get out of the chopper without dying is to wait for them to land. Otherwise, you just got to bail out and cross your fingers and hope that you can survive the fall. And you can't. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now, you can't. That's a major annoyance in this game is that you are beholden 100% to whoever is driving the chopper to get you close enough to ground so you can bail out. But again, another thing I'll say, most people playing this game are using mics. And you can just talk to the guy flying the chopper and be like, drop me off here, and they'll, they'll go right down and drop you off. So I think that mitigates the problems a little bit, but that was one issue that I found. And this is only stuff that you discover after you've played it for hours and hours. Like You're like, okay, I'm in a chopper, and I want to get out here. And then you jump out, and you realize you, you just fall down to the ground and you die. Um, what else? There's no melee in the game. Even though, like, you get weapons like a sledgehammer and a pickaxe, you can't actually use them to attack enemies. You use them to, like, break down walls. You can also build walls in this, which was something I discovered, like, the last match that I played. Um, somebody else was doing it. They are building, like, a little barricade wall. I don't know how you do it. I saw somebody else do it. Um, so I'm not 100% sure how that works inside the game, but I do know you can do it because I saw somebody do it. Um... But overall, it's, it's Battlefield, but with like chibi, cute graphics. It has almost all the same functionality, but it also has a lot of the same issues. Like I said, it's a very steep learning curve. There's a lot of running just to get shot by a sniper, and you have to start all over again. Um, there are more vehicles in Battlefield, not more vehicle types, but in number and quantity, there are more vehicles than in Battlefield. But there were still times where I spawned somewhere, 
and there were no vehicles and I had to run two miles to get back into the action or I would just kill myself and just basically, you know, respawn where the action was or whatever. So it has it's while it is a battlefield game, it also has a lot of the warts that you uh, that you come across when you play Battlefield. The guns still feel weird to me. Like I said, when you first start out, you have crappy guns with no attachments. The recoil on the guns is insane. Like, it's so hard to hit anybody with any of the weapons that you start out with, and that makes it even harder. Like it's hard enough getting your head around what's going on with 127 people on your team, and then just to have the guns be really like I don't know. I feel like they should have like had better starting guns with actual attachments on them for this. Um, I understand why they didn't, because Battlefield doesn't do that. But the early game in this is just brutal. Like, you just get your ass kicked for the first couple hours you play this. I don't think there's any way around it. However, it is fun. And I didn't play Battlefield 2042 for very long, because it was so buggy, it was broken. So I haven't played a Battlefield for a long time. It was fun to get into this. I had a blast playing it. In fact... Sometimes I just had fun just getting up on a knoll and just watching everything go down because it's just nuts. There's 254 people fighting each other and there's just choppers coming in from everywhere and there's ATVs rolling in and there's tanks rolling in and there's APCs coming in and it's just interesting to watch the strategy, the people coordinating with each other, just listening to them on the mics and then watch it all happen in real time as they actually execute their plan. Like It's like watching a war. It really is. Um, so, you know, I was a little skeptical of this before I started playing it, but within like a couple hours, I was like, oh, like, wow, how did these guys do this? It's like a minor miracle, really. Now, the big caveat really, as you've probably already seen from the lower third, is the game is only available for PC. And now they've sold 2 million of these. So let's do the math there. 2 million times 15, they've made 30 million. Valve takes its cut, 30%. Mm -hmm. So they've made, what, 24 million, 20 million? No, 20 million. 20 million, yeah. So they are hiring people now to finally get working on this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, counting on this coming to console soon, probably a fool's errand. Probably not soon, no. Probably within Eventually. a year and a half, two years maybe. And they're still working on getting the PC version up to snuff in a lot of ways. There's still things that they need to add and they still need to fix in this. So um, This is full indie? They don't have a publisher? Not yet. I mean, they will. They will. But. Yep. Or why would you? If you have $20 million. Because you want someone to absorb the, the risk and cost of putting of it, putting the it on the console consoles. versions, yeah. yeah. And the manufacturing of physical versions, yeah. got the stores. I mean, you could probably skip physical versions of this game. Probably. Because there's no, it's an online only You're game. right. There's no reason what, for yeah. it. Yeah. What good is a physical version, really? If there's no online, you couldn't play it anyway. Um, but otherwise, I was kind of blown away by this. Like, I had seen all the hype about it, and I'd seen people talking about it. And I would say maybe it's a little overblown. Um, it, it's not like God's gift to, to first-person shooters or anything like that. But it is remarkable to see this happen. Like, and it does have those battlefield moments where you crest over a hill, and you look down into a valley, and you just see this crazy war going on. Or, like... Or you're coming up, you're riding an ATV, and two, two helicopters fly overhead, and you hear that surround sound swoosh over your head, and then they go down and they start shooting. Like, it just gives you those moments that up until now, you pretty much only got in Battlefield games. Now, you can get it with a different art style, and for $15, which is a lot cheaper than what you will pay for any Battlefield game. Um, <laughs> Unless you wait for a sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is on sale now, maybe, for like $2 off or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's it's only fifteen bucks, and if you're into this type, no, I mean, of game, wait for a sale in Battlefield because sometimes oh, those games crash in price. Oh sometimes. right, yeah, like within like six weeks after they launch. 
Yeah, so you're right. Like, I wouldn't say that most Battlefields, most people pay full price for them, to be honest. Um, but for 15 bucks, like, if you're into Battlefield and you try 2042, and like us, you thought it was a complete train wreck, um, this is your alternative, and it's a pretty damn good one. And if you're good with a mouse and keyboard already, you play a lot of shooters on your PC, like, you're going to be able to jump into this and hit the ground running. Now, for me, like, the default key bindings in this were weird. Like, the, gr the grenade button was somewhere I don't usually have it. The reload button was somewhere I don't usually have it. Like, the crouch and prone were separate buttons, which I thought was weird. I never really got to set the key bindings in this to a place where it made me happy and felt comfortable playing it. But I just had so much fun just me messing, ar messing around in this world that it didn't really matter. Um, like, here's, here is actually the example I was talking about. Like, all these guys were just watching. We're just looking down in the valley and just watching the fight happen down here. And eventually, I go over to the left and I just go perch myself on the knoll and just sit and spectate. Like, it's just that interesting to watch the game being played by 254 people. It's insane. And the three people built this stuff, it's just, it's really incredible. So, again, BattleBit Remastered, only available for PC, $15 right now. The guys who built it, I watched a couple interviews with them. They seem like good dudes, people worth supporting. They're in Europe somewhere. They're not from the US. Um, but what an amazing job they've done on this game. Um, and for $15, like you could get literally hundreds of hours of gameplay out of this. Now again, there are some issues. It's still in early access. There are some issues they still need to iron out. Adding melee would be nice. Um, stuff like that. I don't think there, I never saw a shotgun either, now that I think about it, mm -hmm. which is weird. Every other weapon though, yeah, I saw assault rifles, SMGs, snipers, rocket launchers. Yeah, I think I saw every gun but a shotgun. That's weird. I don't know mm -hmm. if they're in there or not, actually. I just don't remember seeing one. So, so they have some stuff that they still need to do. Vehicle controls could be tweaked a little bit, but I thought they were pretty good, honestly. Um, and then the guns don't feel great. I think they can do some work on those. But otherwise, it's a pretty much a full-functioning Battlefield game for a fraction of the price and double the charm, I would add. The devs hate shotguns and say they will never be in the game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do kind of like that they're taking a stand there, I guess. <laughs> it's funny. I wonder why. They must play a lot of Call of Duty because the Some, shotgun. Yeah, someone a had a bad time in Gears of War. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the shotgun roll. That's right. I forgot about the shotgun roll in Gears. Um, so anyway, there you go. That is BattleBit Remastered. Again, it's 15 bucks, and it's only available for PC. All right, let's move on to the last topic for episode 351. We're going to speak very briefly about another small game that I played this week. It is called Mr. Run and Jump. Matt, when was the last time that you played a hard-as-nails platformer? Uh, probably Celeste. Celeste. That might be mine, too, actually. I couldn't remember the last time I had played a really hard 2D platform. I looked at this one, but 25 bucks is a lot. Dude, it's insane. Why? $25 for this game. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't the game. This is the opening to the game, which fools you into thinking it's the game, but it's not. It's a 2D side-scrolling platformer inspired by the Atari 2600 age, basically. Mm -hmm. But when you actually start playing the game, this looks like the Atari 2600. Yeah. It also makes me wonder, Matt, why wasn't there a game like this for the Atari 2600? I think this is beyond the Atari 2600's capability. Really? I a mean, it's it. three colors. 
that's not the important part. The important part is how much is moving and uh, independently of things. It's like two or three Re- moving objects. Doesn't matter. That's not how objects couldn't move on the twenty six hundred. You had to trick the pixels to refresh themselves properly in a weird way. Like, I don't know if you ever saw. But like, they do move. I mean, well, the illusion is that they move, but they are not moving as you program. Pro- the programming is not doing that. It's a it's a it's a pixel trick. Uh, I get if, that, but Pitfall, there's moving barrels that you jump over. Like, there's no reason. Those yeah, but things- I don't. I don't think what I'm saying is like you saw those two whatever those were ghosts, ghosts or whatever, or whatever yeah. were moving back and forth independently. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Atari Twenty Six Hundred could do. That. They would have to do the same they thing. Have to be the, doing the same thing. They have to be the, basically <laughs> the same. It's like moving the same piece of cardboard on like a puppet stage back and forth interesting back years and years ago like like 11 12 years ago i think uh nolan bushnell started an Atari 2600 app on apple i don't know if it was on on google play on the, on the android either too but it was called the Atari 2600 app and he would every few weeks he would put up a little written like back you know big like like extensive like 20 40 pages sometimes with visual and animated illustrations of here's how we did all this stuff on the 2600 and it's dark magic like it's like there was no way to make something move from here to here so when you see this on here we are literally tricking it with this algorithm that makes it think it's doing this but this part of the thing that was the character in this game that was a leftover part of the equation that was a basically a glitch how did, so was, going back to your what you're saying how did the Ghosts in Pac-Man work because there's five or five of them or whatever moving mm-hmm. independently of each other. Uh, I don't remember how that works, but that is one of the reasons Pac-Man is so simple. But I can see why, to your point you just mentioned, though, I can see why the ghosts in Pac-Man were almost transparent and flicker. I believe that's why they flicker, right? Because you're not moving anything; you're literally just drawing them again, right? That's what I think. Um, whereas if you want something to smoothly move, you had to like do some weird Other trick trickery. with like a, basically a background plate. <laughs> And you can only show many so many background plates. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this game... It's like that thing with Doom, where like Doom is not actually 3D in any way. Mm-hmm. It is just tricking the engine into displaying things that we, our brains, we interpret as 3D. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Early game stuff is, is a trip. They were wizards. Yeah. yeah. With the technology that they had. It's really crazy what they're able to accomplish. Like, well, you just think about the fact that, like, um, what's, his, what's his name? Um... Uh, Steve Wozniak basically made Breakout in like four days in his spare time. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were geniuses. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. The people who worked on the early Atari 2600 stuff, geniuses. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about it. And I've been fortunate enough to meet almost all of my heroes at this point. Some of them, when I met them, I was like, oh, you deserve to be my hero. And some of them, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> some of those old guys are pretty stodgy and angry because they see all the money that games are making now and they're like bro i was making like 42 grand a year back in atari's heyday and we got no residuals we got no points on any of the games they weren't even credited yeah a lot of times they weren't even there weren't even credits first easter egg in game history was just some guy putting his name in a game yeah yeah adventure i think yeah well this game mr run and jump is trying to capture the spirit of everything that matt and i just discussed it is a nails hard 2D platformer. And when I say hard, like, I've played Super Meat Boy. I've played all of them, at least a little bit. This one, within the second stage, like, the second level, becomes, like, nigh impossible. That quickly. Like, Super Meat Boy, 
I felt like I played it for a good like hour or two before I started being like, oh shit, like this is yeah. too much. Where you hit your point where like, oh, okay, that's that's my limit. Right. Where you're like, this is becoming work. This hits that after so the way it works is there's like a tree of levels that you play through. Each stop on the tree is like I don't know, probably seven or eight segments of levels or whatever. And then you complete that, you escape through the portal hole, and then you go back to the tree of missions, you select the next one, rinse and repeat. By the time I got halfway through the second like stop on that tree, I was like, oh, okay, this is where the game already is starting to become work. Like, where you had to just stop before you even tried to go through each level and be like, okay, what is the game trying to do? Um, the controls are pretty simple. I mean, it's really mostly the jump button, but eventually you can hold the L1 button and hit jump and you'll do like a high jump. And then you can hit R1 and you'll do like a dash. And that pretty much is all they give you. And it's just you learning how to use those very simple tools to overcome, I'll be honest with you, some very genius level design in this game. And there are dozens and dozens of screens to play through. And each one of them, I mean, I gotta say, Whoever designed the levels in this, really freaking smart. And there had to have been tons of trial and error. Because it, it's literally just like one pixel right. Or one pixel. It could be one pixel wrong. It's always one pixel right in this game. Now, one thing I will say is I felt like the controls in this are a little sluggish. Hmm. Which, for a game like this, is a huge no-no. Like, you can't expect people to play games, hard games like this, and not have the controls be absolutely sublime. You just can't. You can't, you can't blame the controls for failing in games like this. It is the death knell for a challenging 2D platformer. If you feel like the controls are keeping you from accomplishing these levels and you've tried it, for example, let's say I've tried this section here now, what, five or six times. Mm. Imagine I do it like the 20th time and I finally get to it and I don't complete it because the controls aren't respond. I'll never play that game again. I'm done. I'll be like, if this is happening right now, and this happens later when things get even more difficult, F you. I'm not going to play this game. And so, to me, there is a little bit of, like, a cardinal sin being broken with this game as far as, like, really hard 2D platformers. And the other thing I would say, too, is, like, it looks a little repetitive. Like, eventually, they do change up the color scheme a little bit. Like, they're in blocks. <laughs> well, the world is called Violet. Right. So I yeah so but that's all they end up doing is like just changing like kind of the color scheme the colorway of each level otherwise the environments don't look that much different so it does start to get a little bit monotonous and wear on you a little bit now the objective of the game you can see when you start each level your dog runs away you're supposed to be chasing your dog but there's no story in this there's re that's really the only premise in this at all other than hey let's play this retro style game and you're gonna try to catch up with your dog which you never do um and as you go, things do get more complicated. Like now you're starting to see some skulls that move. Like eventually you get like six skulls on screen instead of two. Um, and they do advance the difficulty of it. But again, by like the second batch of levels, I had already got to the point where I was like, this feels like work. It doesn't, it's not fun anymore. It's the way I felt, I felt about it. And to your point, Matt, $25 for a game like this is outrageous. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, seeing the Atari logo pop up, I was like, oh, like there was this feeling of like, I don't know how to explain it. That came over nostalgia that came over me. I was like, I want to support Atari if I can. Like, I want that company to do well. It's the first console I ever bought. It's the first company I ever supported. I would like to see Atari succeed. And they do something like try to charge you $25 for a game that should cost like $10. And that is honestly what I would pay for this game. 
Um, in a pantheon of challenging platformers, I think it's up there. Like, again, I think the level design in this is incredible. Look at this part, Matt. I, did, I remember when I first got to this, I was like, what in the <laughs> heck am I supposed to do here? And I jump over here and I get over to the other side. What do you think you're supposed to do there? I'm just like, what? You're probably supposed to drop under that platform and then do the double jump up through it. You're so, I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to fall down the one that you're standing on, slide down the wall until you get low enough to clear that other overhang, mm. and then jump sideways. At the per- it's crazy what you have to do in this game to get through some of these sections. But look, if you've played Super Meat Boy or any of these games of this type, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how these games work. It is a lot of trial and error and try, try again and not getting frustrated. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't get frustrated when I play these games anymore because I go into them knowing that they're going to be hard. And I just, I'm just like, okay, they're exactly what I thought they're going to be. Um, but back in the day, man, I remember Super Meat Boy. I think I pulled out you know, half of my hair playing that game. Um, and Celeste, I didn't find quite as hard, honestly, as Super Meat Boy. I think part of it was how small Super Meat Boy was on the screen. I almost felt like mm-hmm. you were just controlling like a pixel sometimes in that game. Yeah, um, Super Meat Boy is almost an eye test in places. It is at times. You're right. It's definitely so that, a so test of a, reactions. This is a thing on moving things in the 2600. It's uh-huh. basically the, it blocked out four clock pulses from the position counters during the vertical blanking interview of an ob- interval of an object, and the programmer had to add pulses to move an object left or right, four to keep it in the same place. And they added a set of motion registers to add or subtract them automatically when a signal called an H move is sent by the microprocessor, which happens during either the vertical blanking interval <laughs> or the horizontal blanking interval. But the op- the upshot of that was it was very hard to move individual objects, but you could move multiple objects at the same time, which is why combat has like three little planes in right, a row right. all or grunt. one big plane right right <laughs> and that sense. was used constantly in almost all 2600 games to move things yeah the other it's, thing I would it's say, nuts yeah the other thing i would say too about this game there's no men or lives like you can just keep playing like when you die like they may send you back that like, seems pretty standard yeah for, they may send you back like one or two screens but that's like worst case scenario this seems like the anti-celeste because the celeste is very uh User friendly. It's like, yeah. oh, you can't do this anymore. Like, where you just, you just, you can fly now. Oh, you, you know, know that, that, that. I mean, you help do, you. You do get like a. You also there's another thing you can do. It's almost like a Metroid where you turn into a ball, right? And you can roll really fast, and you end up using that to traverse like really, really wide gaps a lot of the time. Um, and you're right, it's unforgiving. Like, it, it never changes the level or gives you like something. It's like, oh, you're having trouble. Let's we're gonna do this for you to make it a little bit easier. Like that never happens in this. It's just like either you get it or you don't. And if you don't, you're gonna keep playing this level over and over until you do. Uh, so again, there's just a lot of trial and error in this game. A lot of like messing around, seeing what works. Because the other thing too is they give you these very simple tools, but they are kind of versatile. Like when you mix them together, like learning how to do like the Samus ball like boost with your jump with your high jump like all learning how those things work together in concert that builds over time and it helps you get through levels where at first you look at them you're like i how do you get through that like as you start to learn how to mix the abilities together stuff starts to become a little bit more apparent but it never gets easy (laughs) like it it never gets easy um i only made it to like the third color of this and there was like i don't know 10 or something like that before i was like okay i'm good i get it um so yeah, that is Mr. Run and Jump. It is $25. That's just in- insane. Like, again, should have talked to the duh consulting agents. We could have told them that they're never going to sell copies of this game at $25. Like, 
I think even 15 is pushing. I think 10 is perfect. I think that's the sweet spot for games like this. Although, I think Super Meat Boy was way more than that. It was. But it also looked a lot better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel quite as ripped off for paying that much money for Super Meat Boy for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, but anyway, it is, as you saw in the lower third there, it is available for everything. PC, both PlayStations, both Xboxes, and Switch. Uh, but again, the big down downturn there is $25, which means I do not recommend it, unfortunately. Um, later on down the road, if you see it at a discount, it is an addictive, very challenging platformer. Might be something to keep in the back of your mind. But right now, it's just really hard for me to recommend it at $25. bucks. I'm, I'm assuming you have no questions about that game, Matt. <laughs> no. And I doubt chat does either. Um... Oh, Vincent brings up that this game also is actually coming to the Atari VCS. That new Atari that they released, which is crazy. Um, El Guapo asks if we covered Gravity Circuit. We did not. I've never even heard of that game. Have you? No, I don't know what that is. You have never heard of it. Um, Yep, no questions from you guys, just as I suspected. El Guapo says Celeste is sublime. I Mm -hmm. like Celeste a lot more than this game, for sure. All right. And with that, it's time for... So last week, I thought I was getting jiggy with it, and I used Pitfall as the game for Name That Game, and I just showed you guys three color bands, and you got Pitfall from three color bands, which is pretty amazing. Um, this week, I'm just going to say right now, it's not an Atari 2600 game, because we already covered one in the show. Um, and oh, right. Gravity Circus, the Mega Man X game. Okay, I know. I know. It. Uh, I've seen, okay. I've I've seen, seen ads for that. Okay. Yeah, I haven't played it, though, unfortunately. Um, I went a little more traditional. This isn't some weird old school 2D monochrome game, um, but I still think it might be challenging. We'll see. Um, Name That Game is a game that we play here on Game Face where I show you five screenshots for a game and you try to guess the name of the game before Matt Kyle. And he's pretty damn good, so you better mind your P's and Q's. A couple things before we get going. If you've won at any point this year, do not play. You can only win once every calendar year. Don't start guessing because you might jog someone's memory and give the answer to them. So please don't do it. Also, if you are not a PC gamer, please don't play. We give away a free game to the winner of this, but it is a code for a PC game. So if you don't foresee yourself playing PC games yourself, or if you don't have a friend who's a PC gamer, Please just don't let, don't play. Let somebody else who can play the game win. And then the final thing is our chat during Name That Game goes on slow mode, which means that you can only plunk in one response every 60 seconds. So make your responses count. Don't just try to spam random game titles because what's going to happen is we'll show you a screenshot and you're going to know the game and you're not going to be able to type it in and someone else is going to win. And that's pretty much it. Otherwise, it's pretty simple. I just show you the five screenshots in order. We kind of wait until you guys stop guessing before we move on to the next one. And that's how we roll. Are you ready, Matt? Sure. Are you ready for Name That Game? Here we go. Jedi Outcast. Not Jedi Outcast. You could absolutely get it from this screenshot. Now that I'm seeing it on a big TV, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't have used that. Destiny, no, it's not Destiny. I have someone's gonna get it, I think. Flight Simulator, no. Dark, Miss, Dark Miss, Forces. What'd you say? Dark Forces. Not Dark Forces. Um, Miss 2, I'm not sure what that means. Armor Core 4, no. 
Playland MX knows it. He says I won't say it. Flight Simulator, no. Two people guessed that. Interesting. Death Stranding, no. Tetris, no. <laughs> Good Battlefront. One. Halo 4. Battlefront, no. Halo 4, no. Is that it? Okay, I think that might be it. I really thought someone... I mean, I think maybe someone did get it from the first one, but he already won and he can't guess, which is good. All right, here we go. Screenshot number two. I can't even see that. Um, Halo Reach, no. MGS4, no. Battlefield 2042, no. That would be a clever one, though. Tomb Raider, no. Up. Oh. We have a winner. Console lies. Got it. I'm surprised he got it on this screenshot and not the other one. It is Metroid Prime. Sorry, not Dark Souls, not Armor Core, Kevin and JM Rain. It is Metroid Prime. And here's the other three screenshots. This one I thought probably would have given it away yeah the, the mushrooms in the corner yeah also the tree is twisty i tried to take the twist out of the shot as much as i could because if you saw how it twisted you would know immediately it was metroid prime it's really weird how there are certain triggers in games that tip you off to what they are in metroid prime it's the trees they're all like twisted and mangled for some reason um here's screenshot number four you can see a little bit of ripley there the wing and the claw on the left. Ridley. Ridley, yeah. sorry. I just mixed up my sci-fi brands. <laughs> With I mean, aliens and Metroid Prime. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the director versus the main character of Alien. Right. And here's the fifth screenshot, which definitely would have given it away. And that's just Samus's hand on her cannon getting ready to fire. So there you go. Once again, a nice round of applause for our winner. Consolized. You can send us a DM here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash games. You can send me a DM on whatever the hell Twitter's called now. I'm at Dinfire. Not for much longer. It's still called Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest. Yep. You can send a DM to Sifted on Twitter at Sifted Games, or if you're on Sifted.net, which you better be, you can send me a DM at Shane. Any of those, get at me, and uh, we'll get the code out to you. And congratulations once again for winning Name That Game. And with that, we have plenty of time for some Q&A. So if you guys have some questions for us, we can probably answer just about all of them today before you guys run out. Um, JM Rain, thank you for the tier one subs that you're gifting to our awesome audience. Not Cirque says, damn, I'm playing Metroid Prime. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Um, console I says I wasn't sure if rematch. That's okay. The re it doesn't matter if it's a remaster or not. That's totally fine, man. And it wasn't. And it wasn't actually. Yeah, <laughs> that Most was probably one of what was throwing some people. Yeah. Most of the screenshots were from the OG version of Metroid Prime. Um, Mega Drive guy, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, okay, that looks like it for Twitch Prime for now. Let's get to some Q and A. Let's bring you guys up on the screen. See what you have to say. Uh, Eth Demon, what's your opinion on Baldur's Gate 3? Only given reviewers six days to review it. Well, we're sitting here right now waiting for Baldur's Gate 3. So we think it sucks. <laughs> like, we'll be honest with you. Like, there's going to be no reviews at Embargo. There's no way. I mean, there probably will be. There will. I mean, look, man, you don't need to finish this game to know it's any good. Like, 
it's it's 170 hours. Yeah. Like, basically, you need to get through the first act and see how it's evolved from early access, because presumably any reviewer you throw on this will have played it in early access already, because um, that's not hard yeah. to get access to. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, outlets have had that for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure it all works. Make sure that you know the things that they said were going to be in the final are in the final. Um, and you know, get to get to Baldur's Gate. That would be my my the goal, my gate. Because like, you don't get to the, the you don't the, get to Baldur's Gate. The early access ends when you get to Baldur's Gate. You get to Baldur's Gate at the beginning of Act Two. Mm-hmm. So I would say get definitely get to Baldur's Gate, see the city, do the do some stuff in in the city and out of the city after that. And like after that, if, you know, you can probably do that in six days. Okay. You probably do that in like four or five days, and then write the thing. I think just keep in mind that most of the reviews that you're going to see are not going to be from people who finish the game. Yeah, just keep that in mind. But, but I, I will, spoiler: most reviews you see are not from people who finish the game. Really? Yes. I don't believe that. I do. I know that 100. percent I was a reviews editor for eight years. Most people don't demand that. I think you're wrong. I do not. I mean, I think you encourage to finish the game. I think there are people who lie. I think there are freelancers who lie and say they finish the game and don't. We actually caught a couple of people doing that for I mean, they probably say that to you, but, like, that was never a requirement before that. I mean, most ed- reviews editors require that their editors re- finish the game. Absolutely. In fact, I don't have never met one that doesn't. Then you know a lot of naive people. The reviews editors I'm talking about. Yeah. If they think their reviewers are finishing this game. No, I didn't say that they thought they were. I said they, they demand it. That's the part of the job. I think that's ridiculous. So, What's for, ridiculous? That like they're asking it? Demanding that someone getting paid $150 finish a 100-hour game is ridiculous. Well, reviews aren't $150 anymore, but, but back even, in the day even so, were. you're right. I mean, now they're only 300 so that's still mm-hmm. not worth it. It's, I mean, you're still getting paid like $5 an hour to review yeah, games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, and look, we used to get like saves from the reviewers on the on the cards, and like those saves were so far early. I'm like, I knew that there... I mean, if you're sending me that, that save at the date they were sending that in... And you had three more days to finish that game. I don't think you finished that game. Yeah, Man. and you don't need to. Like most games, I mean, we did catch a couple people here and there, totally yeah. lying that they had finished the game. Yeah, here and, and there. And we, I would fire them, but we catch them sometimes. But we do not. You do not need. I would argue that, like, unless there's some crazy shift, like, but you don't know if there's going to be. So here's a good example of that. Actually, this is perfect timing. Exo Primal. Mm-hmm. There's a big twist at the game. It's like way far into the game, so it's a little weird because Polygon. Its review mentions this. It's like 20-some I know it's insane, but like 20-some hours into Exoprimal, something happens and the game completely changes. And so Polygon's review of Exoprimal is very positive. It's like, go buy this. It's freaking awesome once you get over the hump. None of the other reviews mention that. Mm-hmm. That's a little weird, don't you think? I don't think it's weird. I think it's an indication that the game is boring until that <laughs> happens. It's like the you know because sometimes that does happen. Like you know the, the famous like Final Fantasy thirteen yeah. gets good thirty hours in. It does thing. happen sometimes. Or yeah. like that's why I was demanding that much, they finish the game on a much smaller scale. Inscription yeah. becomes a completely different game about four hours in or whatever. Well, the other part too is that some of these games like they start to drag after you get past that thirty or forty hour mark. If you haven't got there, you don't realize that. Oh sure, but they're that's ultimately a, just recycling. But that's also a completely subjective thing. And you know what? I'm pretty sure that anything's going to drag if you're forced to marathon it for however many days you have to hit a deadline. I was just actually talking about that with someone about Driver. You remember the first yeah. driver uh-huh. and to play the game huge. at all? You ha- no, not not huge. You had to, pl- to play the first driver at all and get into any of the meat of the game. You had to do that driving test. You talk about driver, driver with the three in it. 
No, I'm talking about Driver, the, the first driver. driver, the PlayStation 1 game. Everybody I knew loved that game. I hate that game. Everybody I know not, loves it. That's not the point. The point <laughs> that game is garbage. The point is, um, to play the game at all, the first thing you have to do is pass the license test in the parking garage. I think 3 had it, too. And the maybe, same thing. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I never played 3 because fuck that series. <laughs> um, I did play the San Francisco one where you're the dead guy jumping from... Right. Car to, what That's the right. fuck was that? But anyway, yep. um, you have back to in the day when it only cost a million dollars to develop a game, you have to pass that driver's test in that parking garage to become the driver, right? Mm-hmm. And if you, it's one of the hardest things to do on the PlayStation because it's using the physics. It doesn't tell you how to do any of this stuff. You basically just have to know how to drive, mm-hmm. how to do these driving maneuvers. And there were people trying to get through that on a, on a deadline who were losing their minds because there's nothing the developer or the publishers could do except basically say, get, get good. good. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> the interns trying to get that J turn to, because you, one of the, one of the second to last thing you had to do, I think was you had to do a reverse uh, 180. Like, you basically had to do a reverse 180 Matt, I really around. think you're talking about Driver 3. I am not. But you, you weren't didn't, working you, on X-Play for the PlayStation 1 era. Was it? it the PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2? I, I, what I think is, I think every Driver game has the driving Does test it? at the beginning, and they all suck. Yeah, but like... That was one of the famous things where it's like doing that, you know, everyone's like, oh, how come you hated that? that people hate that. And people yeah. like mention all the reviews like because if you have to do that on a deadline, it's garbage. Yeah. And like, I think this is a similar thing. It was like, I don't actually trust the review of someone who played who decides to finish Baldur's Gate three in six days. Yeah. I do not trust your opinion on that because you have not experienced that game yeah. in any reasonable oh, I way. I agree, for sure. Like, I would rather read a review from someone who has played it for six days as far as they can get and write down what they think and say, I have only gotten this far in the game because give me a break. Yeah. And, like, if anything drastically changes, we will tell you about it. Yeah. That is the way to handle this. Yeah. Especially if they're not going to give you the... If they gave it, gave people the 1.0 game like three weeks ago, yeah, sure. finish it. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, they seem to be upfront with how much they played. As long as they do mm-hmm. that, I think that's fine. Um, I mean, I would just say this. Like, you know, every mentor I had that taught me how to do editorial games, finish the game. You finish the game to review it. Anywhere I've ever worked, our people had to finish the game to review it. Freelancers supposed to finish the game to review it. You're right. Some of them would lie get slimy whatever that does happen but anywhere i've ever worked my guys finished the game to review it anywhere you see me working in the future if that were to happen my guys will have to finish the game to review it that's just the way i am so um i think that people should have should finish a game because there are a lot of instances where things change i think if you want people to finish the game in this day and age you need to pay them i'd agree with that properly I and i don't think anyone does no you're right they don't. I mean, look for like a nine-hour call. Sure, yeah. like whatever. That's yeah. what that. But that's what reviews editors tell you. They're like, right. but see, sometimes you get us because we'll give you a five-hour game where you actually make like forty dollars an hour or whatever. Like, I would argue if you're very pay- rarely. I would argue out. if you're paying someone to write a review who's been writing reviews for like 15, 20 years, forty dollars an hour is a minimum. It should be for experience. But they'll never pay not. that. I mean, I'll be honest not. with you, the economic model doesn't work because it would have worked back in the day when there were ten or fifteen outlets reviewing games. Mm-hmm. Now that there's like. 5,000 YouTubers reviewing every game. Like, there's, you just don't have enough people watching your review now to, like, Game Trailers reviews, like, our review of GTA 4 did, like, 5 million views. Right. Well, also, there's, those days are over. Yeah. Well, also, there's, there's an element of, like, the whole review process is a mugs game at this point. 
unless you're doing it basically for yourself. Yeah. Um, especially on YouTube. Like, that's a different beast. Like, I bet, like, Jim Sterling can finish the game because they're going to purely, you know, benefit from what happens from that review being put up. A freelancer yeah. at a outlet is not. And I actually had a thing this week where one, a, a friend of mine, uh, someone I know vaguely, uh, he, he's written reviews, he's written editorial stuff, he's not, not just games, but pop culture and movies and stuff, and he got a mock review gig. And he didn't know how much to ask for. They asked him what his rate was, and mm-hmm. he, he quoted his usual word count that he would word, like for working for, for, for like, working IGN, for like IGN or, or, or like entertainment <laughs> oh, whatever and the guy's oh. like that seems kind of low yeah and he's like, like a lot low he's like, he's like oh I'll get back so he asked like a bunch of us like what is yeah. you know, why and I'm like three to five thousand dollars if yeah. you start like, as a start someone who's never done it before like, yeah. I'd start between three to five thousand yeah. dollars and another guy that he knows I don't know him but he's a he's a his this guy's other one of his other friends is like that's an obs- insane amount of money to ask for a review reviews pay like <laughs> like two hundred to three hundred dollars and I'm like this is not a review it's a mock You're review. A it's, noob. It's, it's a consulting gig it's, yeah. a, it's a marketing consulting gig and like two other people that had done mock reviews came in and like backed me up and I backed them up and stuff and this one guy was like who are these these press outlets paying thousands of dollars? I'm like nobody. They're cons- and like we just had to labor and like explain. <laughs> Hello. And it's like if you're good enough at reviews to like command decent prices at like um, at outlets, move into mock reviews. That's move where you can make money. Like that's where you make that. money. Like you're yeah. wasting your time in there. Yeah, but you have to have the connections and blah blah blah. Of course. Yeah. But like that's one of the things you should be trying to do as a yeah. freelancer as you move through. Parlay the into it. I, obviously, that has been a problem the last few years because there have been no freaking events to go to. Right. That's a downside of no E3 as well. Yeah. Sure. Um, wow, I bet Eth Demon, when you asked that question, you never thought our response was going to be twenty minutes long. Yeah, there was no way you could have thought that that was going to end up being like a di- deep dive into the ethics of game reviews. I mean, that ended up being like a full topic on Game Face ultimately. So great question, Eth Demon. Great job, um, El Guapo three three eight five. With Netflix password sharing crackdown leading to increased membership numbers, do you think other streaming services will follow suit? If so, what are the implications for the current subscription models? First of all, if you had talked to me, I would have told you that nobody would have cared. Like, they were afraid to do this. They thought there was going to be backlash. I knew all along. If, if you offer someone a product that they feel like they can't live without, and with everybody mm-hmm. who has cut the cord for services like Netflix, they feel like they can't do without it. Yeah, They're going to I think the main reaction to that was just like, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I, I guess can't believe we got away now. with it for so long. Right. Like, I will say, though. There's been no backlash over it. It may lead to other streaming services falling suit, but in, in, in the lines of you saying this thing I can't live without, I don't know if any other streaming service is Netflix in that regard. Yeah, that's true. And I don't even know if Netflix even deserves that reputation, but a lot of people do think of it yeah. that way. Well, a lot and of people I, watch. Like, I don't know if like Max could raise its rate again and have everyone be like, well, what am I going to do without Max? You know, like, yeah. Well, Another my sister stupid was here, name change. And she is like the world's biggest fan of Friends. Like, I didn't realize oh there was God. a cult around friends oh, but we went to the yeah. warner brothers studio tour and like half the tour is about friends how so, old is she is she older than you or she's younger than me which is weird right no like it's like was the, that after us it friends? wasn't after we were in, we were in college it was kind of our wheelhouse when it started. Right? yeah but a lot of the the big modern fan base of that are like younger people who grew up watching it in syndication all the time well she watched sort of like it how, on netflix sort of like how we were exposed to like happy days and yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. it was always yeah. on in the afternoons right in, in you the get local, home from school yeah, local, it's, on. it's on after the cartoons end at like five yeah, yeah, yeah. and now you're stuck watching mama's family right. or whatever you know? <laughs> which actually is pretty funny but <laughs> oh yeah you exposed but, to some decent stuff though. but she watches friends on netflix 
Like, mm-hmm. she was like, she got to our place, and she's like, how do I watch Netflix? And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I got to watch Friends. And I'm just like, what? Ooh. And there's just like a million episodes of Friends on. There's a lot of people that use Netflix to replace their TV, basically. Oh, yeah, it's background noise. Yeah. They, I mean, that. but look, sitcoms are great for that. They are. Yep. Let's get to his questions, though. Um, do you think other streaming services will fall? Yes, I do think they will. I think several will probably try it. I don't, I, that's not to say they will be successful in the way Netflix was. But I think they also realized that may, even though they're not an irreplaceable asset like Netflix is, they also realized that the backlash isn't going to be as bad as you think. Because to mm-hmm. Matt's point, let's be honest, all of us kind of like the whole time we were using Netflix, like my mom had a Netflix account. And literally every sibling but me was using her account. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way you're doing that. And you're not like, aha, I'm getting one over on Netflix. You are. You were. You're not anymore. And to see yeah, people being like, you know what? I'm just going to pay now. At a certain point, you're still just like, it's still cheaper than cable. Yeah. And not forever. Not forever. Like, if you got enough of these things, you are probably paying cable prices. It's getting at this there. Point. It's getting close, for sure. Um, what are the implications for the current subscription models? Like, They'll make more money. <laughs> yeah, but they have to. Like that's where the, if that revenue stream doesn't grow, they will. There will never be residuals for anyone ever again. Yeah. Like the the streaming model has made it so the revenues are not going to be there for television production. Basically, like you would not be able to have it make a decent or or thriving living writing or or working on television that way. Like gone are the days when like it was all determined by Nielsen, and um and you could the the network could just say um. Uh, you know, okay, to Johnson, say to Johnson and Johnson, this many people watch this show, and you need to pay us five million dollars for like a, a season-long ad spot on it because that's how many eyeballs this gets in, gets you in front of. Johnson and Johnson can just go advertise on on Twitter now. They yeah. can just go. They can talk directly on to the customer. Yeah, they can talk directly <laughs> to the customer base now. You can do all like, your you banking on X too, Matt. Let's yeah, just, uh, let's yeah. Just dump our savings accounts into Twitter. <laughs> have, have you seen the exploding Teslas? <laughs> Like, oh I'm not God. giving that guy my bank info. Dude, you I'm not mind? giving him anything. I wouldn't let him babysit my three-year-old nephew. It's crazy. Uh, Cinetike, now that Xbox's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is mostly done, what older Activision Blizzard IP would you love to see a remaster or re- re-release of, and why? That's a fine question. It's hard to come up with any. I mean, other than, unless you go back to like the Atari 2600 era where they were like the naughty yeah, dog of the Atari let's 2600. Have a hundred, let's have a $150 million reboot of Cosmic Arc. Or Barnstormer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot. Let's be honest. Activision doesn't have a ton of great old IP. It no, just doesn't. Like- is T- Tony Hawk could come back? Uh, I could, I would play that. Like we did get the one and two remake yeah, that was like good. a couple years ago and that was good, but... Like if they would would get back on the like once every year or once every two year cycle, then no. Yeah. Like I, I don't want that. I mean they could they could go absolutely nuts and bring Guitar Hero back. Right. Eh. You know what? Like a twenty fifth anniversary, let's try it. Yeah, Guitar Hero release. Mm-hmm. Make it work with the old peripherals if you can yeah. and call it a day. Yeah, that might work. But yeah, otherwise, I, don't, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of Activision. Maybe the point that Cinetite's getting at here is maybe that $69 billion was a little bit of an overpay. And I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. we've said that before. Like, they they were not worth $69 billion. I mean, they'll get that money back and then some. It would have been nicer if they had Call of Duty exclusively, I think. Um, they'll get that money back and then some. It will take a while for that to happen. And they are betting long term. But still, like, I feel like they... They were bidding against nobody. Like, I feel like they could have got them a lot cheaper than that. Well, they, um, they do own Candy Crush. Right, that's so King. That's, yeah. That's one but thing. But that doesn't need to be remade, so... Uh, you could bring back Blur. <laughs> you could bring back Gun. Yeah. Uh, 
Interstate 76. Yeah. King's Quest. Mm-hmm. That actually might be worth reviving. Phantasmagoria. No one remembers that one. Quest for Glory. Quest for Glory got a potential for like a fable style thing. <laughs> Spire. I mean, we know. Yeah. Ten, they've got Tenchu now. They Make do. a Tenchu game, you cowards. There's one. That's um, probably, that's the one. There you go. Yeah. Zork. But that wasn't their game originally, right? Like, Tenchu was, was that? Tenchu was. Uh, Who did publish that? I, I want to say, was that a choir? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Some smaller Japanese publisher that's not around anymore. Yeah, yeah. that was an unusual one. Yeah. Prototype, I guess that... Uh, that could come back. Pitfall, obviously. Yeah. Um, Soldier of Fortune. You remember those? Wow. Yeah. Um, was that the one with, like, the really realistic like, damage? That was, yeah. Yeah. Time shift. So, yeah, the, the, the world... The world shattering time. Oh, and True Crime. Those oh, games. yeah. That's one. Yeah. So actually, I ended up having more, but I think most of those properties are not high posts. Like yeah, Gabriel Knight. It would take great Crash, reviews. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, but, but they are making. They've already done stuff. that. Yeah. And uh, Geometry Wars. <laughs> hey, that's a great game. It was, but it was free. Um, Erebus Almost Jones free. of all the classic 360 era Call of Duty has got patched this week on Xbox to re-enable matchmaking, and they got shot up the most played charts as a result. Black Ops Two is just outside the top ten most played. The COD man, what classic COD? Would you Black Ops Two? <laughs> I think Black Ops Two is like the best Call of Duty ever. It's my favorite. Uh, the campaign in that is insane. There's all there's like all these crazy things. And there's a branching story path in the campaign. There's these odd like RTS like sections that you can play. Like it to me is the most ambitious Call of Duty campaign bar none. I loved it. I liked the setting, the the era that it took place in. I thought the campaign was great. I thought the story was good. I, the multiplayer, it was other than Call of Duty Black Ops, or what was the Black Ops that just came out like two years ago? Four. It, was it or four? You mean, or you mean Cold War? Cold War. Cold War, my KD was like 1.7 something, which is insane. I still don't know how that happened. But Black Ops 2, my KD was like 1.5 or 1.6. So up until Black Ops Cold War, it was the best I was at a multiplayer Call of Duty. So that bumps it up a notch too. But yeah, Black Ops 2 for me, man. Like, I think that is the best Call of Duty in my opinion still, believe it or not. I would, um, I would go with Modern Warfare 2. Okay. That's still my favorite. I never liked the Black Ops ones, and I don't never really knew why. Um, something about I don't like how Treyarch designs stuff. See, I, that, I love Treyarch. They're my favorite Call of Duty creators. They, they, they feel like they're made out of paper to hmm, me. Interesting. But I'm playing the campaigns more than the multiplayer. True. Yep, that's true. Uh, and let's... my first impression on, of Treyarch and Call of Duty was Call of Duty 3. Don't forget. Oh, right. Or, or Call of Duty 3 or World at War, which were really Yeah, well, they were just figuring it out games. then, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, let's go back for some more questions. Uh, not Cirque, are you or Matt playing Remnant 2? I actually nudged Matt on that game yesterday. I cannot mm. believe the review scores that Remnant 2 is getting. What is it getting? Like, I think it's Metacritic is like an 8.7 or something. That's crazy. Like, everybody that reviews it is like, I can't believe how good this game is. I really didn't like the first one. Oh. And I'm, I'm very reticent to pay $60 for that when Baldur's Gate is like six days out. Yeah, I hear you. Like, I don't know. Well, we'll have to figure it out, because one of us will need to play it. Um, it's not on Game Pass or anything? Show. It's not, unfortunately. It really feels like that should be on Game Pass. I'm trying to get review code. Mm. So hold tight, 
and I'll see if I can get it for free for both of us. But we'll we'll be covering it in next week's show. But we're still not 100 on who's actually going to play. It's it. just we'll one see. of those things where it's like I will not touch that game again yeah. the rest of the year. <laughs> you know, it's, right? And you know, by the time I would think about touching it, it's going to be like Christmas, and, and like, you're not going to touch it. <laughs> not going to touch it, or it's going to be like 30 bucks. Right? Yeah. Because I'm going to go ahead and say this one's not going to burn the charts up. Yeah, I might be able to get his code. We'll see. Uh, Kevin Rafa, great Ask Shane Anything episode this week. Uh, thank you. Would you be willing to do more rapid-fire questions? Hell yeah, that was fun. Um, so usually I answer four or five questions on Ask Shane Anything, and in this last episode that we just posted over the weekend, um, Kevin actually was the person who asked a question. He asked me ten very quick questions. Like a lot, Usually I spend five to ten minutes answering each one. Uh, this was fun and a little different, and it broke up the show. So um, I don't know if Kevin's cornered that concept at this point. But if any of the rest of you want to ask me some rapid-fire questions that I can answer in a sentence or two, feel free to do it. Um, you have some competition now, Kevin. We'll see how it goes. Um, Derek D101, thank you for Twitch Prime. Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, Vincent, with how you say Pikmin 4 is easy, what did you think of the side mode that unlocks post-credits? I didn't even play it. I haven't played it at all, so I don't I don't know, unfortunately. But it sounds like that is like the standard. Like it's how you finish the Mario story and like now the game begins kind of he's thing. not talking about the two extra areas that that unlock afterwards i, I think so think. yeah oh he is oh they're they're also easy um but i don't think he's talking about that though he said there's an olimar mission side oh yeah, yeah. I, have, I haven't touched it so i don't know unfortunately maybe by next week because it's not like there's a whole lot to play right now maybe by next week i'll have given it a go um the legacy do you expect what's happening with streaming to happen with to game pass no no because it's not how nobody are people sharing Game Pass logins. No, I think he, maybe he, I don't know. I don't think that would work that Can way you unless, do that? unless you mean like the strike, like the rev, rev, uh, revenue thing. It's not an issue because it's only one company. It's not the whole industry. No, if you're and, talking no, and about, nobody in games gets residuals, so it doesn't matter. Can you share passwords for Game Pass? I, I mean, never even you, thought I mean, you about it. You can have the account on the same different uh, Xboxes, but I don't think they can play at the same time. Like you'd you. I don't think that the account can be signed in multiple Xboxes at the same time playing hmm. games. Interesting. I never even thought about doing that. Um, did you guys see Barbie, Matt? I did see Barbie. Want to give a review in two minutes? Uh, I thought it was very good. Excellent. Um, not what you think it is. The trailers really only show you stuff in the first act. Um, it is very, very different than you think. It is a. It has a brain in its head and has something to say about just about everything. Um, it contains maybe the greatest fourth wall break in the history of film. What? Which is also the funniest what? the funniest line I have seen in a movie this century. It has about four or five like all-time great punchlines, but that one there's one particular fourth wall break that is like it is one of the funniest things I have ever seen in a, in a theater. Wow. It is a brilliant it, it is a brilliant brilliant joke. I wow, I never would have guessed that. Is so it worth going to see? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely worth going to see. It is, it is a, it's very good. Wow. I'm surprised to hear that. I really thought it was going to be abysmal. No, it's, it's got a lot to say. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's full of existential dread and um, uh, self, self, uh, self-examination and, uh, and, and uh, dissections of toxicity in society and interpersonal relationships. Um, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's a Greta Gertvig movie. Like, like it, they, this is it's, it's actually the closest comparison is probably the Lego movie, in the sense that like this one's a little heavier and gets into some more societal ills and issues, um, but in the sense of like, it's just constantly acknowledging that it's a toy. That Barbie is Barbie. Like there is no, 
at no point is it asking you to believe a Barbie world is the real world or the real thing, mm -hmm. except it's just asking you to believe that this is a thing that exists in this ridiculous version of reality. It's, it's, it's crazy. It, it's hard to describe without ruining all of it. Okay. But it is more than you think it is. It is not a dumb movie about a toy doll. Okay. Which is, is what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it is not that in any way. You don't even know who the bad guy is. Let me put no. it that way. No. Um, let's see. I've not seen Oppenheimer yet. Okay. So you chose to see Barbie instead of Oppenheimer. I did. Interesting. Uh, in part because uh, Barbie was going to be the big hit of the weekend. I knew yeah. that. Um, did it out? Sell? Did it out? Oh, revenue? By double. Oppenheimer? Twice. It, oh, really? it is, Barbie is the biggest opening for a female director of all time. Wow. The Barbie plus Oppenheimer open weekend opening weekend is the fourth biggest opening weekend ever. Theaters are back. After it's good to hear. After Endgame, Infinity War, and The Force Awakens, which also means it is the biggest opening weekend of all time for a non-sequel opening. Wow. Uh, it's a big deal. Movie theaters aren't over. People are just tired of cookie cutter, cutter bullshit like The Flash. Yeah. There's my Flash review. <laughs> if you're gonna, cutter bullshit. My Flash review is if you're going to make a superhero movie, make sure it's aspirational and not telling you to sit down, shut up, and deal with, and take bad things because you can't do anything to fix them. That is not what superheroes are for. Yeah. Superheroes are for aspiration. Emperor Dread, thank you for Twitch Prime. That is awesome. El Guapo says residuals from Netflix are already atrocious. Yep. Yeah. Residuals from everyone are atrocious. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Maybe we can answer one. Also, more. Ryan Gosling has a shot at uh, best, act, best Supporting Actor nomination. And I think absolutely you want to get the Ken song nominated so you can have him perform it live at the Oscars. Mm. And I think it should also get a production design nomination. It is It is a, I mean, it did use up so much pink paint. There was a pink paint shortage in the in the United States. Yeah. Remarkable. Um, one last question. Best Jeppy. Shane, a while ago, like a year ago, you said you needed to get a side hustle to make ends meet. What did you end up doing? I ended up copy editing. Yeah, I took a copy editing side jobs, um, working for a bunch of different people that just need copy editors because everybody fires copy editors now. Yep. Um, they don't and want. That, and that's why everything you read that's published is basically have nonsense. It's trashed. Yeah, it's trash. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I'm still doing it here and there. Um, I did get to a certain point though where I was. Spending so much time doing it and making so little money that I was like, is it smarter for me to keep doing this or to spend that time on Sifted? So um, I'm not doing as much of it as I was about a year ago. Um, maybe I should, but yeah, that's what I did. I did some copy editing stuff for a while and I'm still doing it here and there. So there you go. All right. That's it for Game Face 351. Um, thanks for being along with us for the last couple of weeks. I know the shows have been a little... I don't know. We're working for the episodes. And I, it's funny looking around at the rest of the industry and uh, seeing what they've been doing on their podcast. They're doing the same thing. We're all working for it right now. We're in the dog days of summer. Not a lot of big games coming out, but just enough for us to do our episodes, which is good enough. So thanks to everybody who showed up today live to watch the show at twitch.tv slash sifted games. A huge thanks to our sponsor, LS Cream. Head to creamls.com slash sifted. There you can find links to get it locally, to get it delivered to your crib, to learn how to make awesome drinks. I'm going to use some of those recipes here this weekend when my wife's sister shows up for my wife's birthday. Um, we'll be making some awesome LS cream drinks. Make sure you do that. Um, if you're listening to this show on any of the podcast services, and it's on all of them, so YouTube peeps, 
Um, if you don't want to watch the show in video, you can go to any podcast service. And truth be told, the show unlocks on the podcast services usually an hour or two before the YouTube archive unlocks. If you want to do that, head to any of the podcast services. When you do and you get there, leave us a review if you can. That makes a big difference for us. It helps our podcast bubble up in the rankings for gaming. Without reviews, we just sit at the bottom. No one gets turned on to the show and we don't get any help. That's a good way that you can help us for free if you don't have any money to help us. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could turn off your ad blocker while you watch the show, that'd be awesome. Anything you can do to help us a little bit financially, we would really appreciate. But of course, the best thing that you can do is go to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a monthly pledge and stick with it. It's just $4 a month to get all our content early. In the case of Game Face, you get it four days early. Pactor Factor, you get it a week early. All our other content, you get at least three days early. And it's only $4 a month. It's one coffee. That's it. And you literally will get like 80 hours of entertainment out of that $4. So if you can find it in your heart and soul to help us out, that would be awesome. Again, head to patreon.com slash sifted. And there's different tiers there. You can pledge just a dollar if you just want to pitch in. And you still get community rewards for that at sifted.net. You can pledge $2 a month and just get Pactor Factor early. Or you can pledge $4 a month and get the whole shebang early. We'd appreciate it very much. Um, so we do have a couple games to play this week. Next show, I think, should be a little bit better as far as the games that we're talking about. Yeah, it depends on the Baldur's Gate That's code. the big X factor, yeah. And I'm working on that review code right now as well. Um, again, that's, I think that's the Thursday after the next show, if you're waiting for the actual release date. Right, yeah. But I, I, my guess is I'll get the code six days early, too. So mm. hopefully we can, we can get them. We'll see how it goes. But. It would really be helpful if the early access reflected... At this the final point, code. it reflected the final code more, but they've really been held, hold some stuff back. Yeah. Which, you know, to some degree makes sense. Totally get it. Yeah. Like you got to get people to buy it. I mean, the save now. isn't even compatible, so you'd have to start oh, over anyway. that's surprising. So. Well, not that surprising. Not that surprising. Because you play a way deep into the game on early access. Well, you have to create... The, the character creation isn't fully unlocked in the early nope. access. So, like, you, you there's, there's, they're adding, in, I think, Dragonborn for the 1.0 and, like, character lore backstory. There's a bunch more stuff you, that no one's been able to actually touch yet. It's there, but it's all like, you know, you try to click on it. It's like you can't do this until the final release kind of okay. thing. Okay. The beast is coming. Get ready for Baldur's mm -hmm. Gate 3, man. I mean, it's also, keep in mind, it's only for PC at first. Yeah. And then what, three weeks later it comes out for consoles? Months later. Month later. So you have to wait about another month on consoles. September so. 6th, I think. Yeah. So anyway. They just, they just moved it right out of that early access <laughs> Starfield window. And it's like, yeah, let's yep. get over there. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for showing up today. You make the show better by fact-checking us live. Um, by asking great questions, by chiming in with your comments throughout the whole show. We appreciate you guys. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Hope you guys have a great week. Play Pikmin 4 if you can. Um, get it in now before you get deluged with all these big games that are on the horizon because they are coming. So we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Have a great week. Game Face is up and out.